This is Rowena Dooley asking Seoul citizens to report for duty. And greetings, greetings, greetings. Welcome back to Soul Citizens. I'm Griffin Gaming RPG, and today is February the 4th, first weekend in February, and we are back for another show. And I'm back with a couple of my very, very cool co-travelers uh, co to CitizenCon last year that I got to meet and hang out with. Uh, we've got on my left and your right, uh, we've got a raid. <laughs> we've got a raid from New Souls. That's what we got first of nine. Thank you, New Soul. Thank you for sending over your folks from your party. Hope you had a great afternoon. I'm sure you uh, tore down the house. The captain uh, captain came in and said that you had it rocking over there today. So I uh, hope you guys had a good time. And thank you. Welcome, Raiders, those of you who are here. Um, giving out shouts again to all my left side, your right side. Yo, yo, Meg. What's up, Meg? How are you? I am good. good. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. You're looking pretty energetic tonight. You ready for the show tonight? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. All right. Meg, Meg be on it. All right. And uh, on my right and your left, the one and the only Captain Serious Fun, Captain SF. What's up? Greetings and salutations, Griff. How are you? Good. It's always good to be with you. It's always good to be with Meg. Uh, I'm ready to do this thing tonight. I'm ready. I'm ready. Charles, what's going on? DCI, thank you so much for that sub. We appreciate the support and we just appreciate you being here. So thank you so much for that. We really do appreciate you. Um, as you guys can see, the topic for the show this week is dynamic events. And I think most of you, if not everyone here, is familiar with dynamic events in Star Citizen. We have been testing dynamic events, even though they don't really happen in a dynamic way, but this testing is part of this process of being in an alpha. Um, but for those of you who don't know, uh, dynamic events are supposed to be eventually um, occurrences that happen in the Star Citizen universe uh, because of actions or reactions of the players. Uh, that could be due to some actions such as piracy. It could be an action such as the economy. It could be an action due to a mining group that's working in the verse. Uh, but the idea is that these spontaneous events will take place. They just won't happen randomly, but they'll happen because something has happened in the universe to cause them to happen. So for right now, we've been getting them from a testing point. So we get an announcement. CIG says, hey, we're going to be testing such and such this weekend. We're going to be touching such, such, such and such till February 5th. Um, and so we kind of get time to go in and do it. But ultimately, the idea is that these events will spawn off. They will spring off unexpectedly. And uh, if you're in the area, maybe you become a witness to it. Maybe if you're somewhere else in the verse, you just get a chance to hear about it. But uh, we're going to be talking about dynamic events. We're going to talk about the origin of them uh, at the beginning of the show. We're going to be watching a little video with Tony Z talking about the how this whole thing came about. Then we're going to spend some time talking about the current dynamic events that we've had in the game. And then we're going to give you some a little bit of theory crafting and talk about some ideas for dynamic events. And we'd love to hear in chat 
what you guys also think will be great for dynamic events later. So without further ado, let me go to my compadres here and I'm gonna go back to Meg uh, first. Meg, I know you've had a chance to participate in some of the dynamic events. Have you been able to participate in all of them or is there some you didn't do or some you did a little bit more than less? Or is there a favorite one that you have? Um, I've just done, I, I don't know if there was, I think you were talking about another one that potentially was taken away, but I've definitely done Jump Town, Xenothread, and Siege, okay. Morrison. Mm -hmm. Um, I, My favorite's definitely Xenothread. Mm. Okay. Why, why, why that one in particular? Um, I just feel like it's a bunch of chaos and ship fighting. Mm. Um, and then like you separate the ship fighting and have to get out of your ships or hold off, you know, I mean, like, I'm just explaining the, the event itself, but mm -hmm. um, having to, like, have certain people do certain things versus, uh, in my opinion, I feel like Jump Town's just PvP and Siege of Orson is, like, you just go shoot people and leave. Mm -hmm. Threat's more, like, you have to find the specific cargo mm -hmm. in specific ships, and some, there's, like, three variants. Mm -hmm. Some can't be quantumed. Mm -hmm. Some have to be, like, they can't be thrown around to, like, very particular. Um, takes a little more brain power and less just okay. speed running. Okay. Um, so I, I like I like that event the most for, for that. I got you, Captain. Same question to you. Have you done all the various ones that we have? I know we're going to talk about them in detail a little bit later, but is there anyone that you favor or anyone that you didn't get a chance to do? So I've done them all. I dislike Nine Tails Blockade with a passion, <laughs> and. I join Meg in saying that I feel like Xenothread, the Xenothread dynamic event was the most enjoyable to me because there were so many different things to do within the event. Mm. Right. Okay. Um, okay. So yeah, we'll talk about it later, but that's how I've done them all and, and, and that's my favorite and my least favorite. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Okay, well, we're gonna go ahead and jump into it. And uh, again, like I said, we're gonna do a breakdown on these a little bit later, but we do wanna start out with a little opening. Uh, before we do that, as you guys saw, we opened up the show today, uh, kind of giving a little dedication uh, to Carl Weathers. Many of you guys know Carl Weathers passed away uh, on February 1st. The announcement came out on the 2nd. Uh, definitely impact in the uh, the uh, community of theater and acting and film. Uh, some of us grew up on watching him. Some of us just recently found out about Carl Weathers. Uh, but we do want to give our condolences to the family. And obviously, he's going to be missed, uh, particularly because he's definitely... Uh, stepped into the world of uh, science fiction uh, through the Star Wars series, The Mandalorian, and became a very quickly beloved character, directed some of the episodes there. Uh, so we will miss him, missing him, uh, but we did want to kind of do a little special dedication. Also, because as you guys know, each year during uh, African American or Black History Month, we spend a few minutes highlighting someone that has impacted uh, the world in some way, usually in the areas of fiction, science fiction, computers, whatever the case may be. And so today we're going to do a little dedication toward him at the end. So stick around for it. I think you'll really, really enjoy it. Maybe learn some things about Carl Weathers that maybe you didn't know. I learned some things when I watched it myself. Uh, but before we get to that, let's get into the show. Let's jump into this on dynamic events. Uh, let's see if I've got everything set up here. I think everything queued up here for this. All right. So we're going to open up with our video here of uh, our uh, well-beloved uh, Tony Z. And let me see if I've got everything set. I think I do. Uh, maybe I don't. Uh, yeah, that's it. And here we go. 
Hope you got something to drink and chew on. Hi, everybody. <laughs> Welcome to Star Citizen Live Dynamic Events with Tony Zurabek. I'm your host, Jared Huckabee. And if you've never seen Star Citizen Live before, it's where we take about an hour out of the end of our week and uh, check in with developers, see what they're doing, talk about the things that they're working on. Sometimes we watch them make something live. Uh, today, uh, we have a gentleman who's probably no stranger to most Star Citizens, uh, but we're going to take the time to introduce him anyway. Meet Tony Zurabek. Tony. How you doing, man? Hi, how's it going? Uh, Tony Zerbeck, director of Persistent Universe. All right, so the director of Persistent Universe, we're just going to jump right into this. The last time we saw you was CitizenCon 2949 mm -hmm. years, right? All right. Uh, I checked in with our data solutions teams. We've gained over 500,000 citizens since then. So somebody watching right now has no idea who you are. So take a few moments before we jump into this. Uh, tell them who you are, what the director of persistent or what, what your position does some of the things you work on i'm gonna get out of your way uh i have a i put i i have a lot of focus on what i'd say is like the you know the the, the simulation of the world getting all the systemic elements operational uh, ai and mission architecture um back-end services that provide a lot of information to the game servers um also you know a lot a lot of uh you know the you know some of the occupational stuff we're working on you know some advanced bounty hunting you know functionality a lot of the 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 interfaces you know for everything from uh you know from shops to insurance to you know to cargo loading just it's, it's really a, a wide variety of things um all over the map those the systemic services that like the day-to-day -day operation of the persistent life in the persistent universe kind of thing yeah, I mean, there, there's, you know, uh, there's multiple aspects of that. Historically, it's been, um, you know, all, you know, a lot of, you know, focus on the persistent stuff that's now starting to shift over, um, you know, to, to a new group is basically going to take it and run with that. Um, and we're going to basically affect a, you know, a handover, a transition, and we're basically taking some of those, you know, some of those existing resources, and we're going to retask them with helping to add, some additional bandwidth into some of these areas that we've been wanting to flesh out for an extended period of time, but there are always, you know, so many other higher priorities. And we think just, you know, as of pretty recently, like within the, you know, the last, you know, literally, you know, month or so, we've finally eliminated enough of the bottlenecks on the back end side to where we can, you know, you know, pretty confidently uh, support, you know, so, you know, you know, at, at least twenty thousand players, you know, concurrently might be higher. It's difficult to say until you actually, get, you know, uh, until you actually, you know, stress test some of these things. But we we ran into some problems at the uh, Fleet Week, the twenty twenty Fleet Week, and we took, you know, uh, we took the lessons we learned there, and it was it was kind of unfortunate timing in that particular case because. We knew that we weren't going to be able to support, you know, more, uh, you know, dramatically more players than we had in the near term past when we launched that event. And we didn't, you know, really think that was, you know, going to be a problem because we had, you know, for the, you know, for the previous, you know, year, we had it in our development schedule to deliver, you know, the final bits of iCache and to basically scale a number, of, you know, the loadout service, the variable service, um, you know, all, you know, uh, to, to cache all the login credentials, all of this type of stuff that we're supposed to, you know, to alleviate, to mitigate a lot of these bottlenecks. And unfortunately, that that last Fleet Week event proved to be so popular that 
you know, we wound up, you know, uh, generating probably about twice the number of concurrent users that we actually expected. Um, and so what that did is it, it caused it to, it caused us to reprioritize some things so that we could get select pieces of that you know of that functionality out sooner and many of those things are now operational and so while there's still definitely plenty more to do um, we we think that we've got a decent amount of headroom given where we you know given what given where we think the you know the the uh, the community involvement is going to be for the next few quarters um, you know and then longer term we've obviously got you know so, some some major you know some major initiatives st you know still on the horizon you know like server meshing which is where we're actually looking to you know distribute the workload across as many servers as is necessary so that we can start to scale up the actual number of players within a given you know you know uh, instance or shard shard of the game. Yeah. All right. So. You, you just mentioned, you know, uh, knowing where players are going to be and, and stuff for the next couple uh, couple quarters. Uh, that brings us to the topic of this particular show, which is dynamic events. Now, dynamic events is a phrase that our community has heard several times, whispers here and there over the last year, almost two years, going back to 2019, uh, back when we referred to it as timed events in some of the monthly reports stuff. Let's just start things off with a primer here. What is a dynamic event? So you have to give a, a little bit of explanation first. Like the long-term objective for Star Citizen has always been a dynamic evolving universe. Um, most of our existing content to date though has been inherently static. So missions are offered at a given price uh, at a particular location because a designer dictated it, not because something within the economic pipeline actually required that work be done. So uh, if you're you know, refueling, reloading, or repairing a ship, that doesn't actually increase the demand and thus the price for the associated commodities and components at refineries or shops. Similarly, the, the likelihood of running into a pirate on a given route doesn't waver regardless of whether a lot of unarmed cargo transports carrying valuable materials start traveling that path. So quantum, which is the simulation that I showed off at the last CitizenCon, that's the primary method by which we're going to address this. And it simulates the effect of a vast amount of AI and it then feeds those results you know, to the game and then factors player actions back into the simulation. So you wind up with this very logical ebb and flow that you'd expect and that creates a lot of temporary opportunities for people to exploit and in general, uh, it just makes the game feel far more interesting to play. So dynamic events are different. You can think of them uh, you can, you can think of it a bit as designer-driven short stories that can be layered on top of Quantum's systemic background, and they can be triggered manually or automatically when certain conditions are met. So if the system decides that war is broken out in an area or we, or, or we just decide that uh, we want to liven things up a little, then designers and writers can inject a lot of precisely curated content into the game and the impact of those modifications will then be blended into the simulation. That's really like, you, you said there's there's two ways to trigger them. Either we, we can set up we can set up situations, criteria in which the the players meet them and the system automatically goes, oh yeah, trigger this particular event that's been designed. Or we can trigger them manually. Uh, it, it, 
Just describe to me the difference there. Why, why, why would we use one over the other for a particular situation? Well, well it, it, it's actually similar to a, a, a lot of what we've done with the normal development cycle, which is on the one hand, we're putting out a live product. And so we have to build, you know, we have to have something that the community can play right now. But at the same time, we're planning for the future. And so if, if you think about shops as an example, if all that a shop was going to do was basically offer a certain number of items for sale or a particular price, then the effort that we've expended to get us to here, you know, was, you know, was, was dramatically over-engineered. And it's been the, you know, it's been that, you know, it's been that way for, you know, for the last two and a half years. And it's only now that you're starting to bring in quantum and have quantum start to dictate some of this information, these services, which then cache this information. They're also responsible for basically receiving callbacks from the individual shops and then feeding, you know, you know on occasion, um, some of those transactional events back to the mission instances that are running on some of these servers that you start to see why we made some of the choices we did back then. And in other words, it's kind of like before you can get around to building the skyscraper, you have to lay the foundation. And so we've said this so many times in the past, um, and we're starting to get to the point now to where we're starting to exploit you know, some of these underlying pieces. I mean, quantum's another perfect example in that regard, in that we have these so-called probability volumes that dictate what sort of stuff you can encounter in a given you know area of space and then we have shops and we have you know service beacons and we have all of these you know uh you know different systems but right now designers go in you know even missions you know what missions are available where and for what amount of money and you know what level of risk you know you're going to incur when you actually accept them that's all fixed right now. The designers are able to set up these data structures, but what we haven't previously been able to do is provide the real-time dynamic inputs that would allow us to make these things you know, ebb and flow. In other words, if there's currently a lot of pirates in an area, then having something delivered to that area should logically cost more. There's, you know, there's a greater risk you know, to you and your ship and, you know, and all that type of stuff. But designers, haven't had the tools to be able to automatically feed that type of real-time information into these mission archetypes that they're setting up. And we're just now getting across a wide range of areas into doing some of that. And, you know, so there is an update that I'll be giving within, you know, roughly the next few months um, that will basically uh, explain what we've been working on insofar as not just quantum, but also some uh, related, you know, backend technologies to help uh, to help generate this, you know, this algorithmic, uh, this systemically derived, you know, information, and then feed it into the game. And in a few cases, we've actually, you know, we'll actually be able to demonstrate, you know, real, actual working examples as opposed to, you know, just being theory. I, I always hate to do too many, you know, uh, you know, repeated theory talks, and so one of the things we we debated doing this presentation a little bit earlier, but it still would have been in the vein of, yeah, it's coming, it's coming. And so I intentionally wanted to hold it back a few extra months so that we could demonstrate some of this stuff live and actually show some of these pieces of tech and functionality coming to, you know, coming to fruition. Yeah. Uh, I do want to add uh, on top of that, just for the community, uh, this, this uh, update that Tony is talking about that will come, we're not going to say when we, Let's be real. We don't have a great history of saying, hey, we're going to have this video out 
then. Uh, but we're, we're working on it, and we're and, and, and from what I've already seen, it's pretty awesome. Tyler's in my chat right now, like tell people it's awesome. It is awesome. Uh, yeah, but there, there's there. It's kind of like a it's kind of like a release to where there are certain things you want to demonstrate, and you know there's always a little bit of uncertainty, you know, with respect to you know development schedules, um, and yeah. and and so it's it's difficult to say precisely. Um, but we are already deep into testing multiple facets of what we're aiming to deliver, so it, it's coming. Yeah, just. In our long history of saying, "Hey, we're going to have a special video out at this point talking about this thing," we, our track record's not so good here. So, uh, just hang tight. All right. So, right now on the PTU, there's uh, there, there, there's a there's a dynamic event, our first dynamic event called Xenothreat that's currently being tested now. Um, without spoiling the event, we obviously don't want to break it down. Like, hey, phase one is this. You know, we don't want to go into that much detail. But tell us what Xenothread is, uh, what are, and what are what we're hoping to accomplish. There, there are two primary things on our mind when thinking about this event, and you know, uh, we started you know discussing this internally probably almost a year ago. You know, back in you know first quarter 2020, uh, what we wanted to achieve, um, and. The other thing that we wanted, besides you know it being fun, uh, was that it wouldn't cause us to deviate too much from the natural trajectory of the development effort. In other words, it couldn't be too disruptive. We wanted to take the things that you know logically followed in terms of the development effort and look for ways that we could you know exploit and you know reveal you know these to players and basically improve you know the overall gameplay experience and in certain cases of course a little bit more effort here uh you know pushing something else back to free up some bandwidth so that we could you know polish something you know a little sooner than it would otherwise be the case you know that th that always happens and so one of the primary things that we wanted to do was get all of the the mission and backend infrastructure operational and this is uh it's you know for example there's backend tools now and i'll cover this you know in the upcoming you know presentation to activate and monitor and deactivate missions and that's again if, if you look at xenothreat you, you the 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 amount of work that's gone into allowing this you know event to basically be uh, you know to be activated is far larger than what you're able to see right now. What I mean by that is it it exposes an entirely different way for designers to start to set these things up. Um, they're able to, for example, within the you know uh, when when they're crafting the mission archetype logic, they can now declare these you know these these static instanced variables that are managed by the back end and they also have the concept of phases which are conditionals that can be associated with these variables that are managed by the back end and the significance of this is that we can is that we can coordinate uh, mission logic across all the different servers. And that's how Xenothreat fundamentally works, which is we have four phases in this mission. There's the initial, the introductory phase where we're kind of like, you know, giving, you know, the, we're, we're hinting that it's, you know, something's to come. We're doing some foreshadowing. There's the actual, you know, javelin restocking, you know, phase. Then there is, you know, the climactic battle scene. And then there's the conclusion. And all of these, you know, are really, they're representative. And what, what this event allowed us to do, you know, most 
most most importantly was to test and refine and get all this you know stuff out and working in the real world like you know so now you've actually got a dynamic mission service and you actually have the concept of you know the, these you know the, uh, these global variables and the mission and the designers are able to communicate with them through you know through subsumption task archetypes and we're able to do these conditional evaluate you know uh, evaluations we're able to basically have the back end synchronize however many servers we have to keep them all in lockstep um, and then there, there's all sorts of you know fine tuning that goes on to where well if you've got a particular server and it's in say phase two and they're restocking and they've got the javelin in port and then oh and the designers can actually set it up to do things and they are things like the number of javelins that are successfully restocked in phase two can then serve as an input to phase three such that the frequency of support you get from the UE from the UEE Navy depends upon how successful you were in defending those ships in that earlier phase and again it's 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 what matters less is the specifics of what we're doing you know right this moment with that and more what we're allowing the designers to do in the future how we're basically unblocking them to you know to do lots more uh, cool stuff um Another big, big focus for this particular event, a, a major one, was from the beginning we knew that we wanted to put a lot of emphasis, you know, for the first time on the capital ship battles. So there were a litany of changes that we needed to make in order to enable this. And at the at the very top of the list was how the AI responded to the threat of torpedoes. So originally, and you know, I say uh, this was still true as of about four months ago when we when we finally got to the major you know the major push in that regard. Originally, neither turrets nor ships tasked with defending a capital ship paid them any heed, and that meant that it was way too easy to take these capital ships out in the early days. It was literally trivial; it was no fun at all. And so we spent you know over a month fine tuning various systems so that countermeasures would be launched and worked as expected. Turrets would prioritize major incoming threats like a torpedo over most other things. Uh, players would be rewarded for you know coordinating their attacks with one another. Like you're much, you know, you tend to be much more successful if three players launch torpedoes at the same time. And, and you know, and 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 we built in uh, into the logic this the you know this sense to where it's it's not like you know it's targets it, proper target selection. Well, it, it, what we didn't want to do is make it is make it too robotic, too precise. Uh, not because you might not have that a thousand years in the future, but simply because it's not fun. And so, what we wanted to do, you know, if, if it targets perfectly and if it's able to, you know, perfectly shift its its attention, it, you know, uh, you know, it, it it simply didn't deliver the you know the the, the gameplay feeling that we wanted. And so, again, we've spent you know, weeks and weeks tweaking, fine tuning this until we were internally pretty happy with the results. Um, another good example was the the Idris. The Idris was originally pretty suicidal in that it would happily engage the javelin and get destroyed as long as it managed to get off its railgun. And so its logic wound up evolving to the point where it's now much more opportunistic. It wants to use its railgun, but only when that doesn't put it in too much danger. And then one other thing that we noticed was that uh, the, tur the turret targeting couldn't be so boolean. Uh, it couldn't focus 100% of its attention on an attacker that was only slightly more attractive than another player because, again, it, it looked artificial and most importantly, it just wasn't very fun for the other players. We, you know, we were getting internal reports of, you know, you, you, you have, you know, eight turrets, you know, you know, active on a ship and you got, you know, and you've got 16 players and that, you know, 
when it was so bullying, it meant that at least half of the players were not having, you know, we're not having any of that, you know, uh, you know, firepower focused on them, even for Insa. And so they, you know, they, they felt, you know, you know, they felt relatively bored in terms of the danger presented to them. You want to be shot at if you're, if you're attacking, if you're jumping in the battle with an Idris and a Javelin, you want to be shot at. You want to feel like I'm a threat. Shoot at me. Yeah, and so, and so there's a there's a lot more fuzziness and grain, and it took time to basically work through all these details. I mean, we we sat through every you know every single week reviewing what you know, you know how how it looked when you basically fired individual torpedoes at a ship. How, you know how it looked when you fired multiple torpedoes. How it looked if you fired multiple torpedoes with a very small you know differential in time versus a large differential in time. Um, you know how how the ship responded when it still had countermeasures available. Uh, and then another aspect of this was the support ships that basically defend these capital ships. It's the same thing to where even if you're firing upon them, if a torpedo is launched at the capital ship, they'll see that as a greater threat, break off, potentially at risk to themselves and prioritize dealing with that torpedo. Um, and so there's a multitude of these things that had to be worked through. And there's, of course, you know, there's, there's more we could do, there's more we will do. It's by no means, you know, perfect, but you know, it's it, it's it's light years. I mean, it, I hesitate to say it's light years beyond where we were, you know, when this started, because some of this stuff hadn't even realistically gotten off the ground, and now it's actually in you know in, in some of these select areas, it's actually quite mature. Yeah, I'm gonna stop there because we're gonna take Tony Z in small bites. <laughs> that was a twenty that was a twenty minute bite. Um, you know, before the show got started, I, I asked uh, Meg, had she ever sat through a Tony Z speech? And she said no. And uh, Captain busted up laughing when I asked her that. So we told her, make sure to get something to drink and some snacks so you'll be ready. So I'm going to go to Meg first. And Meg, just, I mean, you don't have to elaborate on any major technical thing, but my, since this is your first time seeing Tony Z and seeing him, and since you've done Xeno Threat, and you're hearing him kind of break down all the work they had to do, what are your first impressions of, of hearing about this? I don't have audio for some reason. It's because I'm muted. That oh, makes okay, sense. okay, gotcha. Um, I thought it was me. <laughs> first, first thing that comes to mind for me is actually a question. Um, so they were talking about. So I'm I'm not used to games like this. That's uh, mm -hmm. like MMO open world playing with a bunch of other people. Mm -hmm. So when he was talking about things or needing to do other things in order to activate the dynamic event. Mm -hmm. Is that something that they're still planning to do? Yeah, that, that's what we were talking about earlier. Like, like Disco at the opening talked about that there are two ways they can activate them. One could be manually, which means that like when we do it right now, they just activate mm -hmm. it, right? But, yeah. then, but then he talked about those situations where certain things happen in the universe. And like, for example, uh, one of the things that they talked about would be dynamic. And this is like a totally crude illustration. I'm not tying it to Xenothread or anything. But let's just say that there are, like, you know how a lot of times people will go to Microtech because they go do the trade runs, right, with gold, right? And they're, mm. they're running back and forth. Yep. What, what would happen is the system detected that there was a lot of piracy going on there. You know, that they're seeing ships getting blown up all the time, making that certain route. Then all of a sudden, you'll start getting UEE ships lining up in that path and maybe starting to interdict, you know, mm. ships that are going back and forth, right? Uh, and, and what that does is that when that starts to happen, right it means that the pirates now are going to have to find some other way to be able to do whatever it is they want to do or if the piracy let's say that the pirates are npc pirates right 
And all of a sudden, NPC pirates start showing up. Well, now that means the traders have got to figure out a different route now. So the idea of this is that these are the things that kind of keep the game fresh so that we don't mm -hmm. get this meta of knowing, oh, if I just jump to here to here, I can always get in and out. Yeah. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. does that kind of answer the question a little bit? Yeah, it does. That's okay. I, I heard you talking about it in the video, and that's the first thing that came to my mind. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And this reminds yeah. you, listen, listen, to answer your question too, this video was from three years ago. So this okay. is when Xenothread is first getting kicked out, you know, to us and whatnot. So these mm -hmm. are the things that they had to, the considerations and all the things that they had to think about, you know, to implement it. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cap, what about you? Anything uh, stick out to you in this? Just a reminder that a number of components that will make up, you know, I, I can't think of a better term for it other than the background simulation mm -hmm. uh, are going to be uh, legion. Uh, we are going to have a lot of small things that are connected to bigger things, that are connected to patterned things, that are connected to NPC behavior. We mm -hmm. still we still haven't heard anything that's changed the um, nine NPCs for every one player mm -hmm. plan for populating this universe. And so nine out of every ten entities um, are are going to be driven by a whole set of rules that I hope Tony Z has written down. Yeah. Let, let, <laughs> I hope let, it's not just in his mind. Can I ask you a oh, question? Because I, I got a little yeah. distracted at the beginning, but what was he talking about with about the 20,000 number? I missed that. Was he talking about players or NPCs? You guys remember what he was talking about? I thought it was uh, players. That's what I thought he said, players. players. That's what I thought he said, yeah. players. Okay, I thought it wasn't crazy after all, because I was trying to get something else on a technicals end over here. And I heard 20,000 and I thought he said players, but I'm like, well, maybe he was saying 20,000 NPCs in the area, but wow. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Th Thrakazog, thank you very much for the gifted sub. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much. Community sub. Okay. All right. We'll hit round two here. There'll be, we'll do three breaks in here. That's the first of three. So let's take on the next part here. You mentioned a couple of things I want to follow up on. Uh, first, first off, the, the, the process of, bringing capital ship battles to life and all the balance uh, decisions and all the new technologies that were required to bring up. That's actually the topic of next week's ISC. So, you know, we, we, we got a lot there. Yeah, some of it you just heard from Tony, but we'll dive into more detail in next week's ISC. I wanted to talk to you about other things you touched on. You mentioned some shared information between servers. Yeah, and and that's something relatively new. That, that that's a, that's yeah, a new it's, aspect. Yeah, it's, it's totally. This. this is literally the first demonstration of you know of this tech. There's more to come. Like another thing we're working working on the back inside is like right now we have the ability to when, when the designers you know craft this mission logic, all of that logic previously, all the logic, all the data was basically stored on the server. So yeah. if you have 200 servers, you had 200 different instances. And so what you're now seeing is like the you know the first example of us allowing the designers to split it into it's kind of like a, a client server architecture but for you know but for mission logic to where they can dictate this logic runs on the individual server instance and it's got its own local variables and it can interface with variables and it can interface with functions that are also executed on the back end and so what this allows us to do is you know like i was saying earlier it's like you can have an individual mission instance of this Xenothread on a given server, and you can register that you did or did not successfully defend this javelin. You know, did you sufficiently restock it and it left and you were victorious, or did it suffer so much damage that it had to run away? And so we actually tally the number of, you know, of successful restockings, 
and then like i said earlier that directly impacts um how how quickly that javelin is going to come support you assuming you need it in those later stages and again the, the, the important point there is it's it's just it's representative you know what we've done now is work out you know the you know the the details of the tech put it into wide operations you can kind of think of xenothread as the first use case and it focused our efforts to get all of you know to get all this stuff working and there is a lot more that you'll be seeing you know in the yeah, in, in both the near and farther term, um, dynamic events, um, dynamic events are something that there's going to be continual focus on uh, for the foreseeable future. Um, for example, you know, the, the next fleet week is actually going to be running off of, you know, all, you know, off of these, you know, th these these same fundamental principles. Um, we've got another dynamic event, which we're referring to as Nine Tails Lockdown, and it introduces you it's not live yet but we're already you know, well into testing uh you know the so-called shop modifiers we can now have mission logic effect at a global scale um and and we've resolved all of the coordination between the different servers and issues like that so you can now apply shop modifiers you can apply probability volume you know volume modifiers you can uh, you can basically lock down areas of space, you know, inhibit quantum travel within them. Um, what will be coming in the not too distant future will be things like, you know, population control, uh, you know, control of the actual spawn managers, things of that sort, uh, access to areas. And you, you think about this, like, what is Fleet Week other than at a certain time, we're going to go ahead and open the doors to a certain area and allow you entrance. And in the case of some of the, you know, some of these upcoming events, when those events are active, we want to create, we want to basically, you know, we've decided as designers that it would be fun if we're doing a fleet week event, then we want to increase the, you know, the demand for party favors and alcohol and fireworks or, you know, whatever other types right. of commodities temporarily at this location. And so for the duration of this event, we crank up the demand, the price goes higher, we broadcast that information to players, let them know, hey, by the way, you know, the, you know, the, the prices in this particular area for these particular commodities are getting out of whack. You might want to take advantage of, you know, this temporary opportunity and focus on that. And so all of this is, um, completely new functionality it's basically give you know, you're you're adding additional you know you're adding additional paints to you know uh to you know to what the designers can use to you know to craft the you know to craft these you know portraits that they're making so so yes uh you now know what the next dynamic event is uh, well, there, 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 there's, there's, there's going, there's going to be. It's, we're just going to be, you know, keep rolling out. We've actually, uh, we've probably got, you know, eight or ten specific ones planned. And like I said, each one is looking to leverage stuff that's come before and then add, you know, add some new functionality. Okay. Um, we talked a bit about how. You know, with, with the, the dynamic events, it, it, it now allows, you know, cross-server progress and stuff like that. You know, the events on one server, you know, get tallied up with the events of another server with another server, uh, to, you know, to affect the next phase. You've got the nine tails lockdown where we, we can where we can now affect, dynamically affect the price of shops and stuff like this. Um, one of the things you, you touched on, and again, I just want to follow up on something. You said no deviation from the existing... In, in, in development uh how important not not, not just just to be clear it's it's not that there's no dv deviation it's it's that you're you're trying 
basically we have we have a long-term plan of things we want to get done and it logically makes sense to do this before this other piece of tech etc and so you you don't in general want to deviate too dramatically purely for the sake of an arbitrary event in other words if 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 not for xenothreat we could have done something else that would also be interesting but it was time in the natural course of things we we needed to basically start getting you know the the back end coordination of these events. We needed to get that operational. We needed to bring the capital ships online. You know the torpedo stuff is something that's been you know uh, the you know that's something that's been bothering for us a for a long time. time. So, so all of those things. Now some of those bits of tech when we started last year they weren't going to be addressed for another six months. And you know and so we did reprioritize some things. So what I was saying earlier is is you don't want to completely upend your, your your logical development schedule, but you certainly refine it, you tweak it, you basically massage things around based upon. So you're kind of like looking for the intersection of what's within you know what's within your grasp, if not if if not absolutely all going to be there unless you actually put some focus on it. And then once we kind of lock that down, it becomes a very uh, a very good means of focusing your you know focusing everyone's attention to where we know exactly how we're going to be using you know everything from you know everything from capital ship combat to the shop transactions that we can now have you know fed back into the mission logic to a vast multitude of other things now you hit exactly what i wanted you to hit there that you know these things don't detract or derail from the development they actually focused in and bear down on things that we already intended to do they just bring them into a more uh, crystalline focus for a bit um, that said, there had to be some concerns. Right? There, had, there had to be there had, there had to be some dangers inherent. There had. Uh, what, what were some of the things we needed to look out for while we were working? Uh, what, what scared us about this? The 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 biggest concern from the beginning, I would say, um, was going to be performance. We knew performance was going to be an issue. Um, it continues to be an issue. We've got a, a number of initiatives underway to basically improve that. Um, and then we're also attacking it a, you know, from a completely different angle, which is not just the per server performance, but you know, the whole server meshing you know, initiative is intended to eventually allow us to distribute the workload over as many servers you know, as, as we need. And so that, that was always something that we um, were aware, uh, we were aware of. Um, we've basically, tweaked and refined things we you know uh you know uh you know the the maximum number of enemies you face in other words do you face 50 enemies at once or do you basically face you know uh you know a, a dozen and we keep replenishing them as you you know as you destroy them or take them out make them flee basically replenish them you know quicker um how many capital ships can you know can we put you know uh, you know at, at a time uh there's been a tremendous amount of focus on um, optimizing you know, everything from you know turret AI to even seemingly unrelated things like um, you know social AI. It's like any time you're saving there is basically additional time that you can inject into you know in, into these events that are that are intended to basically uh, draw lots of players together and have you know a, you know and, and have an enormous amount of AI you know, uh, active. If you think about, it, I mean, this is definitely uh, this is definitely um, the biggest such event we've done to date, and we're putting more, more players and more AI, um, and you got you know tons of turrets operation. I mean, you you have a lot of stuff happening in one area, and so it's 
it you know it, it, it's it's like with most things right which is your your first iteration of these things is never as you know mature as you would like in terms of you know the performance and you know uh yeah we're, we're gonna keep refining it i think you'll see some big improvements over the course of the next few quarters um and we'll go from there all right so yeah so we're about halfway through we are talking with tony zurovec uh big head honcho guy for the Persistent Universe and Systemic Systems. Uh, remember, if you're watching live on Twitch right now, you can submit questions with the word QUESTION in capital letters surrounded by brackets. That's going to help uh, Tyler and our community management team pull those out from the conversations. Remember to try to keep the questions related to the stuff we're talking about today. So if you're asking about when your favorite ship's going to come out or something, that's not really the stuff we, we take Tony's time with. I want to take a break there real quick since he's taking a half halfway point break. Um, what did you guys think of the thing he talked about when we first came back in? He was talking about how, like when a dynamic event, like he was saying Fleet Week kicks off, how prices of things would go up. I know I saw, I think I saw uh, Meg's face change because she started thinking Double Dog's going to be triple the price now. But, with, <laughs> with, <laughs> you know, I mean, it was interesting. I mean, with, you know, because I was an Eve player. I, I, I don't know, Meg, I know you didn't play Eve, and I, but I know you're familiar with it, uh, Cap. And one of the things that was frustrating with me and Eve was that the economy, even though you have multiple systems, I never really felt like the economy became dramatically impacted by actions or, or events that took place in the verse, if that makes any sense. Um, if, if oh, it does, if, it does. Yeah. People, people talk to, you know, who came to games like Elite Dangerous talked about the, the dynamism of the background simulation relative to Eve, and I said, you know, because I, I I dipped my foot in I dipped my foot in and out of Eve, spent a lot of time in Elite, and I would say for all the the economy and spreadsheet sort of work that you do in Eve, I can't imagine that it wasn't as dynamic as people would like, um, and so yeah, to hear Tony talk a little bit about how Fleet Week had events like that would and to me should impact local pricing of a variety of things for me makes sense it, it feels like they're having the types of conversations we want them to have which is you know when you go when you live at atlanta in 1996 and the olympics come mm -hmm. what what goes up in price mm -hmm. <laughs> right? absolutely right absolutely. right um and a lot of things do right yeah. um and so uh, but I mean, you know, your question: when, Do you think that the players have thought about, you know, sometimes we talk about this immersion thing and all this detail and stuff. But I mean, do you think that the players are really that this is the world that they're actually understanding is being built around them? Because I live in Chicago, convention city, and it's a shame. Meg, you can go downtown one day and get a hotel, and they say it's two hundred and twenty-five dollars. You come back when there's a convention in town, and it's six hundred and fifty dollars. You know what I mean? I mean, do you think that? the players are thinking about immersion at that level so that, yeah, you've got enough money right now, but when you go to Fleet Week, again, I'm not being funny, Meg, but your double dog is no longer, you know, two credits, but it's eight credits or nine credits. I mean, do you think, do you think the players are going to be aware of that being a thing or it's going over their heads or they don't even know about it? What do you guys think? <laughs> Silence. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh... I would love to know like the breakdown of old versus like new players um because mm. from i mean not even that but um I feel like some people could take the game not as seriously and mm. not think about that or not even realize because like still nine aue is nothing to us right um because like 
depending on where the um, alpha is, mm-hmm. um, money is so easily obtainable. Right. Um, but but you so heard yeah. but you heard like this week they were talking about the ship prices are going to go up, right? I did yeah. hear that. You know what I mean? So I mean that's like the first step of yeah. getting us to understand. And here's yeah. the deal. They, they gave an example, right? I think it was something like an 890 jump was 70 million. That's some crazy number like that, right? That's that's 70 million this week. You know, if the, if the raw materials and stuff aren't in, or if the demand for them goes up, their, their dynamic aspects is saying that the next time you come back two months later, uh, that, for that period of time, maybe an 890 is now 140 million. You know what I mean? So I'm wondering if players are understanding that the, the rise and fall of the economy, because we've been so used to economies being static. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. How they're going to respond to that when this stuff starts to kick in? Well, I think the players, any players who have um, thought at any length about real world or even in-game economies, um, I think we'll be ready for some dynamism here. Mm. Uh, I think there's a lot of players who just came to fly ships um, <laughs> and to navigate a lot of this stuff is going to be new to them, and some of them will like it, and some of them won't. Mm-hmm. Um, what what I like that they're going for are like fundamental questions. What is the what is the fundamental price uh, to find, mine, refine, and deliver iron and steel? Mm-hmm. Right, that fundamental number, right, will drive the price of ships. Right. Mm-hmm. So whatever they set that number to, right. Um, then there'll be some multiplier mm-hmm. that will lead to that's what it costs to make a hurricane. And that right. was a cost to make an 890 gem. That's what it costs to make the, 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 you know, the, the big RSI ships. Right. Right. And, you know, you, so you combine that with, you know, there should be a, you should not be able to get, in my view, mm-hmm. You know, some people will hate me for saying this, but you should not be able to get an 890 jump in three months mm-hmm. once the game comes out, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That should be a much longer-term journey, right? Right For people. Um, you know, uh, so... An org ship. What's that? I said, or an org ship. Like, an org ship. Mm-hmm. People are yeah, cracking. Yeah, right. Right. And so, um, I don't think that most new players, mm-hmm. to, to Meg's point, are necessarily thinking about that. I think longer-term players who have paid attention this whole time have heard enough of this mm-hmm. from Tony Z and others to know that there is some um, real level of detail. Like Chris Roberts uh, is going to do this. Um, you know, when he's talking about the best damn universe sim ever. Mm-hmm. Well, when it comes to economy, that's going to require Tony Z level of detail. Yeah. So, you want to say something else, Meg? Um, no. I don't think so. I'm. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I remember the last, I, maybe not the last time, but one of the biggest things that we were revolting about was the claim timers changing suddenly. Mm. Um, mm. and they were like so quick to. I don't know. If, I don't know why they did it. Um, I wasn't looking into why mm. they changed it, but. I remember them rolling it back, like, I don't know if it's like a few days or a week later. Yeah. Um, so I'm not sure they did it due to complaints or just because, like, they just wanted to see and they got enough information. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that, I, 
I feel like that was a lot of old people as um, older players as well, just because if you say um, old people. No, 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 no I didn't mean like that. I, I, old people to the game. Um, um, <laughs> that's all right. Um, I'm old. That's I'm old. Across the deck. That's all right. We'll take it though, Meg. Don't worry. You talk about me. That's all right. Love you. We still love you. It's all right. That's right. That's uh, right. <laughs> yeah. No, I just I feel like a lot of people were um like like what Captain Serious Fun was saying. Um, some people are just here to fly ships, yada yada. Like mm -hmm. some people don't have the the time to wait mm -hmm. three hours for something, but that that is the game. Yeah. Um. So even me, like I didn't expect things like that to happen or change, um, or even like like the 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 ship prices changing in the future, and that's still like probably tier two. Like that, like it's still probably going to get deeper and deeper, more expensive, and wait times are going to be longer. And like you were talking about on one episode, armor is going to cost. A lot. Mm -hmm. um, things aren't going to be easily obtainable. Um, but I've I've fallen in love with that idea. I can't lie. A game that's actually going to take you time and potentially teamwork. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's going to be awesome. But I definitely think there are a lot of people that are going to hate it. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, and preparation, right? Mm -hmm. And preparation, yeah. and to your point, teamwork that elicits intelligence, mm -hmm. right? Um, you know, it's going to be important. I think to bring it back to the economy to have an org that is distributed across systems, mm -hmm. right? So that you can get the first insight into a price change in some system before it goes up on the ticker, right? Or something like that. Mm -hmm. And as a result, they, you know, they reach out to you and go, hey, I'm over in Nix and the price of X has dropped 20%. And people go, let's move, right? Um, so it will take some of that, um, I think. Yeah. Okay. Y'all right. funny in the chat. Yeah, yeah. That's how, yeah, Lito, that's been how taking I feel. Shots all night. Togi been taking shots and impossible. I've been, I've been seeing some of the stuff that's been flowing through. Fast card, they've been throwing some shots, but I'm, I ain't gonna start on them this week. So we'll, we're gonna keep it rolling here. Um, Tony, you mentioned that that designers get uh, that, that designers can use dynamic events uh, for all manner of things. Uh, we just showed an ISC how the uh, the terrain modification tool will make things easier for designers to to craft and and uh, alter the uh, the surface of planets and stuff. Dynamic events isn't just a feature for players; it's also a tool for our developers mm -hmm. and our designers. What are what are some of the ways that dynamic events can help our designers uh, make better and more <laughs> dynamic? Uh, stuff for Star Citizen. Well, it, it's like I was saying earlier. What 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 dynamic events really are is what we set up by default is what I would call like the systemic background, right? That's what quantum is good at, which is it's it's like the real world economy. You know, things ebb and that things flow, but in general, you don't have you know major financial crises or great depressions or wars. You know, you know on a regular basis. But the reality, you know, for, you know, from a gameplay perspective, is you actually want you know a little bit of chaos here and there, and sometimes we, the designers, want to go in and specifically massage it. Like, oh, you know what? This area of the solar system has been kind of boring today. We're going to liven it up. And so, what these dynamic events allow us to do is basically uh, to seamlessly integrate a a chunk of you know, designer and writer-driven content into this background simulations so that how it interfaces with the, you know, the world as it, you know, as it currently exists, it's it's all logical. It's exactly what you're saying. In other words, for, you know, for example, if we introduce 
a horde of pirates at a particular location. Well, those pirates, they're going to need fuel. They're going to need ammo. They're going to need, you know, ship repairs. All of a sudden, you know, um, you would expect to basically, you know, see lots more missions for, you know, uh, you know, escorts of transport ships, you know, you know, in that area. Um, you'd see, you know, more bounties, you know, being, dis you know, uh, bounty service beacons being dispatched to that area. So you have all of these other logical knock-on effects you would like, and those they get for free. But you think about it, it's like, in Xenothreat, there's all this custom dialogue and stuff geared towards this, and you gotta go, you know, you gotta go record the specific lines and you know and trigger them up. So, so it's it's basically what I would describe as the best of both worlds, which is, you know, it's 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 a it's a big open world, and you can do whatever you want and make whatever choices you want, and the game will respond logically. And if you're you know particularly clever, you'll occasionally you know ferret out you know some some cool opportunities. Um, and then at the same time, whether we manually do it or whether on occasion Quantum decides, you know what, there's been so much you know, battling in this area that we're going to go ahead and activate a compatible dynamic event that says, oh, well, you know. And so the way these things are configured is you can think of it a bit like a programming function to where they've got certain requirements, certain inputs that have to be fed to them. And so what the system is basically looking for is, at any given time is for the you know for the inputs in any given area what kind of content does it have that it can match up and so i mentioned like dynamic events but there's an entire there's a middle layer to this which is so here you know here to four today um you've had the the normal what i'd call the static missions mm -hmm. and then at the far end of the spectrum you've got these dynamic events and in between you've actually got what uh what i just what i've always referred to as dynamic missions and dynamic missions, uh, they kind of split the difference to where they're going to be systemically generated all over the place. You, you constantly see them. Um, they'll look very much like right now, if you're in an area and there's a high probability of pirates, we actually create you know, a pirate encounter mission or we create a cargo transport ship mission or a conflict or whatever the case may be. Where what dynamic missions do... Um, is basically allow us at, at, a, at a smaller, more localized scale. Now we're not talking about trying to coordinate this across you know, multiple servers or anything like that. It's just that cargo ship that you run into in this area of space, what type of cargo should it have? Should it be copper? Should it be platinum? Should it be aluminum? It probably depends. Log logically, it would depend upon, well, is it coming from you know, uh, you know from an area you know where you know uh, where it purchased those things where that stuff is mined or fine you know etc. and where is it going to and so if it's heading one direction if it's if the cargo transport is going uh, you know uh, from the refinery to the factory then you would expect that it's going to be loaded with goods that the refinery produces and if it, if the cargo ship is headed towards the you know the, the refinery then it you know then then it likely has raw ore that needs to be you know processed etc. and so the point being designers don't need to you know with the with the with the dynamic mission system they don't need to fill in things like hey for this cargo transport mission what kind of cargo you know does it have uh, should it be beat up or should it be in pristine condition should it have fighter escorts or you know or should it just be traveling solo um you know sh should it basically be uh, you know, a derelict husk in space that you stumble upon, or should it basically, you know, be, you know, in 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 perfectly fine, pristine, you know, condition? So these all become inputs to these setups. So the designers set up the archetypes, and the system fills in the inputs. And what you wind up getting is, you know, an exponential increase in 
variety because all of a sudden designers aren't trying to hard code every single specific, you know, specific instance. And so you can think of dynamic events as it's really just an evolution of that system that adds on some additional, you know, backend coordination and uh, and those 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 modifiers that I talked about earlier to where dynamic events really do, they grant the designer the temporary capability to nudge certain things in the simulation a particular way uh, you know, whether, you know, whether it be new items added to a shop's inventory, whether it be uh, additional demand for an item at a particular shop, whether it be, you know, uh, you know, uh, missions that are going to be offered here, uh, you know, all of those sorts of, you know, sorts of things. And so I mentioned like population control, you can see, uh, you know, a fleet week in the future will be a dynamic event. And when that event's going on, we're going to turn the dial and crank up the population. You know, we're going to wind up doubling it, you know, because you'd expect to see a lot of people coming to see that show. And then when the event dissipates, then we'll basically turn the, you know, turn that dial back down. And the population will, you know, uh, recede back to its normal levels. In other words, it's a special event that we've come in. We've added a ton of custom content, NPC conversations, all the stuff geared towards that. And so we kind of view it as one big comprehensive designer driven package that can be merged with all of this, you know, this backend systemic, you know, uh, background. I'm sorry, I got distracted. There was a ASCII art of Tyler wearing a American top hat thing. It was weird. Um, you, you mentioned you mentioned that uh, you know there's the system, there's there's the systemic triggers, the things that you know that, that can trigger all these things by by just meeting criteria, and then the manual triggers. Uh, some of the folks in the chat are asking if the manual triggers are akin to like the old GM events that you that you would see in in uh, older MMOs, where 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 you know a, a design in this case a designer as opposed to a GM can come in and just create a, a one-time event that would occur. That that that's exactly it. And some of these will be one-time, like the Zenith Redditor, a particular fleet week or other. Other ones will basically just add to our library of things you know, you know that we can activate simply because we want it to liven up the place the, the nine tails i don't want to go into you know the nine tails i don't want to go into like the detail because you know there, there's some cool stuff that we'll be introducing hey, be that players haven't you know that they haven't really seen before so i want to kind of you know keep you know keep some of it under 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 wraps um but it's it's, Welcome, it's very representative of some of the bits of functionality that we're introducing in there will then be exploited in more dramatic fashion in in subsequent you know dynamic events like a, a, one high level example would simply be the nine tail stuff is kind of geared towards a certain area you know basically being you know locked down as a result of aggression um and in the future what we're going to wind up having is if the player community doesn't beat back that particular threat then it will grow and all of a sudden you've got two or three or four different areas locked down in other words you you, you the player community have to respond and tamp out this fire or else it will gradually grow now it's possible of course depending upon how we set it up and what the current inputs it's like the npc population in some cases may eventually respond sufficiently to do it um but 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 you get you know the, the overall effect which is the, this the, this one event that's geared towards locking down an area, the area to be locked down is, you know, is an input and we can feed it one, we can feed it three, we can basically add a little bit of back-end logic controls and then that, and, and then which ones are locked down can be replicated across all of the servers. So the community as a whole is fighting just like they are in Xenothread against this common threat. Gotcha. So that, that, that 
I'm just going to do, do this for clarity's sake. A lot of the folks have been asking whether Xenothreat specifically is a one-time event, you play it and it's never back, or whether it may come back. Uh, I know from internal conversations we're reserving our options there, whether you know, Xenothreat's going to be a one-time thing or it's going to come back. But we have the option, though. That, that's, that's the important part uh, for this conversation, is that we can do these one-time what limited events that occur in star citizens history and when they're done they never return ever again or we can do ones that are recurring or we can do ones that build upon each one where it's like it's like this is a one-time thing but it leads into another event x number of months later leads into another event x number of months later and that's how we start adding a persistent and long-form storyline to the persistent universe yeah, this, this one, you know, the Xenothreat is basically, you know, attacking, harassing the UE, um, and you're, you know, you're there to basically help, you know, uh, to help, you know, beat back, you know, some of the specific challenges to basically you know, salvage material, to restock the Javelin, defend transport ships, you know, to, you know, to the same effect, all this type of stuff. Um, in the future, there may very well be ones where you actually have to go into, you know, you know, occupied space, so it's really dangerous to get there, infiltrate bases, retrieve stuff, bring it back, and then what we'd be measuring is, is well, how much, you know, total information or assets or stolen ships that you've retrieved, et cetera, how many have, you know, has the community pulled back? And again, that I keep referring to, like, the community because, in general, these dynamic events are meant to be things that apply across the entire spectrum of servers and not isolated onto a you know just one individual instance um if you're talking about just an individual server instance then you're really talking more of you know like i was saying earlier with like the dynamic missions to where if if it's all on one server then you don't need all this back-end coordination and variable maintenance and you know phases and all that you can literally just run it with your normal you know subsumption mission logic um just looking at some of the questions from the live chat here uh, some of these we've touched on, but we'll go ahead and ask them just for clarity's sake. Um, uh, as far as the size of dynamic events, uh, are, th are they limited in scope until Quanta is fully on, uh, on board and up and running? Or will they always just be some of them smaller, some of them massive? Uh, is, is there but a scale you have in mind? But uh, it's, it's actually exactly, it's, it's both. It's like some of them will be really large, like Xenothreat. It puts the whole, you know, solar system, you know, theor you know theoretically under, uh, you know, under threat. Uh, others will be much more localized. That That is like our first test, like for this Nine Tails lockdown, it's much more localized. It's a threat to a specific landing zone. So if you have no interest in that particular landing zone and the shops that are have been you know have been cut off you know from the world and aren't be and aren't able to get the supplies that they need and therefore they're all calling out for help and the price is going through the roof. What they'd pay to get medical supplies and all this other stuff, um, then you can you know then you can largely ignore it. And so the the, the idea is again it's like we're we're building a library and we'll have you know big you know invasion you know a, a, you know uh, fleet invasions you know, a solar system, smaller things, which is, you know, just a particular, you know, pirate gang assaulting a particular landing zone. We'll have, you know, infiltration stuff. It's, it's really, again, it's like uh, you're, you're aiming to get the tools to allow the designers to basically express solutions to all of these, you know, dramatically different scenarios. Um, now, it's, we, we've mentioned quantum and, and, and quanta whatnot several times during the show. Uh, for folks who have been watching, I'm looking at the chat here, that don't know what we're talking about, uh, there is a nice hour-long about presentation available on our YouTube page uh, from CitizenCon 2949, where Tony introduced the entire concept of quanta. We don't want to waste our remaining minutes here just regurgitating what's already been shared. That said, it has been 
more than a year since we've since we've heard about it, since we've heard from you. Uh, I know we have that presentation coming in the next X number of months. Uh, without spoiling that, can you give us a bit of an update on how things have been progressing? Whether you're happy with where where we're at right now? Um, yeah, it's 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 come a long way. Um, all the you know the TypeScript logic has been redone in C sharp for the AI, uh, which basically resulted in you know somewhere in the range of you know three order of magnitude increase. So we we can basically easily simulate several million quanta, um, you know, and we can do that at you know at, at multiples of normal speed, and that's important because we need to be able to tweak certain levers let the simulation run for an hour and then see how stuff kind of balanced out and what kind of, uh, you know, what kind of limits uh, we hit on certain things. Did prices ever get too out of whack here? Was, you know, did, did, did the offering price for a particular mission ever get, you know, completely, you know, uh, ridiculous given these parameters that we'd set up? Um, there's been, we're, we're, in the, we're in the final stages now of starting to connect quantum to some of the backend services so that they're actually feeding data from the simulation to the services. The services will have long been feeding that information then to uh, to you know to the actual game servers and then basically receiving it back. Like uh, one of the one of the most uh, recent examples here is uh, just yeah, and it's kind of related to the dynamic event shop modifier stuff, which is the potential to add items, you know, add new items to a particular shop. So right now that inventory has always historically been fixed. And so now with the modifiers, since we can add something, it's the same thing you'll see in quantum, which is shops may occasionally change some of their inventory items. And so it turns out that there's a little bit of work we need to do on the game server in order to support that. Um, there are... There, there's been uh, a lot of, you know, a, a lot of focus on basically getting, you know, extracting, you know, chunks of information from, uh, you know, the service beacons that we demonstrated before. We were generating the events, but they weren't actually making their way to the back end. Uh, so that information will be filtering up. In other words, where you see calls for assistance, calls for combat assistance for you to come, you know, will in you know in the not too distant future be dictated via that quantum simulation um the you know the 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 price of fuel will be dictated by what you know how much of a you know how much of a load there is in that particular area and all these things take time because the the previous iteration we showed of quantum as you got all these quanta going around they they didn't uh they didn't have at that time any concept of fuel or you know efficiency in terms of what ship they were flying and how much fuel it consumed um, they basically got transport you know for free and so a lot of those kind of things are being wrapped up we spent uh, relatively recently a, a good bit of time um, getting quantum the service to actually ship to basically be built and ship with the game so we're not currently exploiting it but it's there right alongside, you know, a, you know, a litany of all these other services. So that piece, which you know, which was a significant effort, is now in and done. And basically, what, what that means is we've got the we've got the basic elements of plumbing to get all this information, you know, going back and forth. And what we're focused on right now is actually, you know, you know is is realizing some of that stuff. Let me stop there real quick. Um, I don't know. Have you guys noticed? I mean, this has been, again, this is three years ago. This is 2021 when this video came out. I had made some notices, some things, and there's something he said in the video in particular that I did notice. Did you guys notice when we were at IAE this year that there were tons of NPCs there at the convention center? Yep. Which in previous years was not the case. There, there was like those little sprinklings of folks there, but I mean, it was literally 
crowds in certain areas. Were you going to say? Well, I felt like I felt like IAE was a line in the sand for that because I've seen increased NPC presence since then as well mm. in lots of different places. Now sometimes they cluster underneath the big ball right. in our court and they do weird stuff, but there have been more NPCs broadly. Mm -hmm. uh, and Griff, you pointed out the other night something that you had been saying was happening recently, which is more of these spawn closets that had not been opened before are now open as well. Mm -hmm. So, what were you going to say, Meg? Um, I don't know if it has to do with this, but I also noticed that they were uh, making comments at IAE as well, which yeah. is really cool. Yeah. I, yeah, you know, I, yeah, know, that's th right. This whole thing with the dynamic events and and Quanta has been uh, on the table with the players now a lot because you know the um, the idea of the living breathing universe. We know a lot of that, even though we're running around as human players. We also know that the NPCs are vital to that. Um, and I, for those of you who don't know what Cap was talking about, was that over the past couple months we had been noticing several of us who played at night, um, that there were spawn closet doors that were opening. Some of you all have probably seen them. Doors that have been closed for years, uh, particularly at the spaceports. Uh, these doors are all of a sudden opening up or there's a crowd of people standing in front of a door that's open. And we were wondering whether there was some back-end quiet testing that was going on that they're starting to do with this. I've never seen anybody walking in and out of those doors, but I have seen a crowd of, that are standing there uh, and these doors are open. You see it definitely at, uh, I don't know about Hurston, but I know definitely um, at Microtech, where you do your kiosk checkout, uh, the back door on the back wall opens up. Same thing happens at R Corp, uh, between where the kiosks used to be and where they are now, and you walk down a little corridor, and actually even coming in from the tram. Um, and so I've been wondering whether or not there's been any testing in this area of quanta and quantum, but I really want to highlight the thing about the population and noticing that he's talking about Fleet Week in particular, um, that, you know, it's not just the fact that prices go up, but that also the population goes up, right? Because we show up there, NPCs show up there. And, and later on, we're going to talk about some pros and cons on, you know, my ideas about Invictus Fleet Week anyway. But I just want to see if anybody had any thoughts about that. We've got just about 10 minutes left on this, and we're going to, uh, 12 minutes, and we're going to be done with this. So let's wrap it up. Star Citizen, we've got the plumbing. Um, <laughs> uh, if we plug Tony Z into the servers, would they go faster? I'm imagining, like, remember Superman three, where the where the gal gets plugged into the servers. Uh, let's see what else we got. Um, will some of the dynamic events allow us to choose sides if we're more into the outlaw phase? Yeah. Zenith has everybody on one side, right? But not, but it's not really. I mean, you're 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 encouraged to be on one side, and yet plenty of players are electing to basically, you know, uh, they're not actually they're not able to ally, you know, with the Xeno threat, but they're certainly not being you know friends to you know to the local security forces. So yeah, yes, we will. We've actually got you know you know some of that stuff like in the Nine Tails lockdown, we're starting to play with some of those concepts to where you can be the, you can basically work on the side of the guys helping to keep it locked down, or you can basically work on the side of the guy guys trying to break that blockade and basically you know free that free, free that area so the, the 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 fact that there isn't a a way to officially plug in with the other side in Xenothread isn't indicative of some no, future no, no, design no. direction. It's just that's not what this one was not, not Not at all. In fact, it's, it's actually quite the opposite because as is always the case with Star Citizen, um, and you, you, know, you, you, saw, you see this with so many things that we did with Xenothread, right? Like with Xenothread, 
we kind of started out with, okay, we're gonna have big, you know, we're gonna have capital ships. So any player with bombers, they're set. And then the concern was, well, wait, a lot of players don't have bombers. How are they gonna contribute? What if I've got a Hornet? And so we introduced the concept of, well, great, we'll have a lot of support, you know, light fighters supporting these ships and you can win. You can basically make uh, the, the make the Idris, um, you know, uh, retreat and therefore you know, win that battle simply by taking out all those light fighters. But, and so all of a sudden now it's like, regardless of which, you know, whether you've got the, you know, the heavy bomber, whether you've got the light fighter, you can contribute. But that still left the problem of, well, what if, you know, what if I'm not the kind of player that wants to do tons and tons of endless ship combat? What, what do I get to do in this Xeno threat thing? And that's where the thing, you know, that's where we started thinking, hey, let's have this whole salvage aspect where the javelins come in and you're basically restocking them. So now someone's got to go out and basically get the materials. And of course, we got to have a little bit of FPS combat, you know, on that. But then all of a sudden, that forces you into that FPS mode. So we start looking and thinking, what if what if I actually do like the ship combat, but I, you know, but I want to be able to contribute to the restocking and not be forced into that? Well, you've got transport ships going by, you know, going back and forth, and on occasion you'll be asked to defend them. And if you successfully defend them, you basically wind up generating as much restocking benefit as if you were to fully salvage one of those derelict ships. And so the, the point I'm making is, is regardless of what exactly you, know, you want to do, what you find interesting, we try as much as possible to make sure that there's going to be you know, a sufficient diversity, diversity of interesting things to do such that you'll have a good time. And so right at the very top of that list would be sure some a lot of players are going to on occasion want to be able to play the part of the bad guy. Some other players will want to, you know, play the part of the good guy. And you know, some players, uh, like if if you think about, you know, without going into too much detail on the Nine Tails, you know, lockdown, when you're actually trying to deliver those supplies, are you trying to simply quell to take out all of the pirates in that area, basically remove the threat, or are you basically just trying to transport goods in and basically take advantage of the sky high prices that are temporarily being paid because no one else can get through that blockade? And then if you're actually, if you're one of those guys trying to transport those goods through, all of a sudden there's a real need for you to hire via service beacon, hire other people to protect you. And so you've got escort potential. You got bat, you know, you can basically be the guys helping to lock it down. You can be the guy helping to eliminate, you know, the threat. There's many different ways to come at the, you know, at, at this particular situation, depending upon what interests you. And that is ultimately, you know, what, where we're trying to go all across the game. Yeah. Uh, plugins for, players in different professions and the, who play different ways for people who just prefer the FPS aspects, you know, things for them to do for the people who prefer ship combat, for the people who prefer ship shipping, stuff like that. That said, there have been a number of questions about drilling down to other specific aspects. You just talked about making sure there's something for almost everybody in all these things. But on the flip side, would we ever consider, because PVP is, quite important for a lot of folks you know who play star says would we ever consider a pvp specific dynamic event or a dynamic event that has no combat at all well the the, the pvp stuff is you know something you always i mean if you're going to have freedom you know some people are going to basically you know want to get in there you know and muck it up you know for other people and so the the, the way that i would aim to address that type of stuff is basically uh yeah, within the rules of the system. In other words, that that was why, and again, we're still in the early stages of the whole prison thing. That that's why 
that's why we have a prison concept, which is you can be a bad guy, and if you get caught, then you basically go, you know, you go serve your sentence. And right now, when I say the early stages, I mean like right now, escaping from prison equates to walking through, you know, uh, you know a, a hole in the wall and basically assuming you actually know the escape route. Then you know, then it's just a matter of time. And that's another thing that you know we've got you know a, a few quarters hours to basically do a major revision to make. The entire process of escaping prison is going to be a challenge in and of itself, and there's going to be multiple ways. It's like are you talking about, you know, basically, uh, you know, bribing guards. Are you talking about, you know, coordinating with other players? Are you talking about being, you know, the guy that's simply trying to avoid the cameras and do the whole time thing, you know, you know, setting up distractions, you know, uh, you know, you know, setting a fire in the utility closet to basically draw the guards over so you can go over here. In other words, how how many different ways can we support? Uh, you know, such that, you know, a player can feel as if they've crafted their own particular solution to, you know, to the problem. And as much as possible, you, you don't try to hard code these things, right? You try to basically create, uh, you know, a number of different systemic elements. And what will inevitably wind up happening is players will find clever ways to exploit them to, you know, to, you know, to, to, you know, to, uh, to particular effect. We're, we're actually seeing this right now. It was a you know, a bit of a headache in this morning's meeting when I was talking about the Xenothreat stuff. We were going through PvP, and apparently, you know, some players have figured out this super clever way of very quickly you know, sharing credits and getting out of prison, etc. And it's it's always the case, right? Which is it's an ongoing battle um, when you when you when you provide a bunch of these raw elements, people will find you know unintended ways of basically accomplishing their effect. And I personally. I've always loved that because that was always my favorite thing in in games was being able to craft not what I felt was my own unique solution. In other words, what, what I do want to do is expend copious amounts of time trying to figure out the one solution that the designer dictated would solve this particular puzzle. I'd rather give players a bunch of you know these you know these these logical elements and they can string them together in all sorts of ways. And I kind of referenced that, you know, just, you know, briefly earlier, like with the prison guard, which is, well, if, if, if prison guards respond as, you know, as they must to, you know, to audible events, then if you can do something that, you know, that generates a noise over here, then of course they should go to investigate. And so a clever player would basically say, hey, I, I can, ba the, the same way that they'd go investigate a noise and all, and that would become, a problem for you if you know if you're trying to infiltrate an area um, can actually become a great means for you to temporarily distract them so that you can get through you know the, you know the, the, a door to escape the prison etc. And so uh, all all of this stuff I mean it, it comes back to the same thing which is giving players the 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 freedom to basically play the game how they want and having the system push back in logical fashion. So if we don't want a lot of player versus player, you know, stuff in this area, then we should bring logical elements of the game, more, you know, more security, we, you know, larger, you know, penalties in that particular area, things of that sort to, you know, to discourage it. It's still possible, but, you know, but all of a sudden, you know, you, you so you, I, I wouldn't aim to reduce it to zero or, you know, to make it impossible because imp impossible to me is, is nev never particularly fun. I'd rather make it so that, if you want to basically accept, you know, the the consequences of your actions, then more power to you. And in some places, 
in some places, those consequences will be, you know, fairly minimal. In other places, they'll be quite large. And, and you see this across the law system where we've got 40 different infractions and some things are viewed as, you know, a, you know, a minor little infraction. You basically pay, you know, pay a fine. Other things actually lock you into prison. And right now, like I said, it's fairly easy to escape prison. It won't be in the future. That will actually become a much more significant challenge. So it sounds like uh, the approach that we will generally take is a try to plug as many different groups and peoples and play styles into these events as possible. Try to provide something for as many play styles as we can, including PvP. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and then the PvP is just, it, it, it's an, it's a, you always have to be sensitive to it because a small number of players can always ruin the experience for a lot of other people. And so you do have to put a, you know, yeah, a significant a amount. That's not PvP, though. Yeah, but, but but again, but how are you going to deal with that? And certainly, you know, there are some aspects, you know, uh, to where you take, you know, administrative, you know, action. But in general, to me, if you have to take administrative action, it usually signifies that you failed at something within the game, right? It's like in the real world, if I go out and I wreak havoc, you know, there will be very real and obvious consequences that you, you know, quickly suffer. And it should be the same thing in a game to where you can do it, but you'd better be extremely, you know, clever about how you go about it or, you know, or, you know, or, or, or else the system's going to respond in, you know, in logical fashion. All right. Well, Tony, that's it. We made it to the end. You got anything else you want to, you want to leave people with? Any, any, any final thoughts before uh, a Xenothread, our first dynamic event, makes its way to the live servers sometime? Uh, no, other than just uh, if if you haven't watched, we talked about the quantum stuff. Um, if uh, for for people that aren't familiar with it, they don't necessarily need to go back and watch that thing, since we will be you know doing a you know uh, a pretty a relatively comprehensive update. Um, it won't be as singularly focused on that because there's several other areas that I want to cover in at least brief fashion. Every you know uh, virtual AI and you know and a number of other things. Um, so. Uh, it's, it's probably, like I said, you know, a, a few months out, give or take, um, and we're hoping to be able to show some concrete examples of how some of this, you know, you know, some of this technology is actually now integrated into the game. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Tony. Uh, if the folks in the chat had their way, you do this once a month, every month for the rest of your life. Uh, but I understand that you actually have a job. I, I, ironically, <laughs> if, you know, if, you, if we did that, then there'd be less to discuss. You wouldn't get as much done. So. There, there, would, there would, and you wouldn't, you know, it's, you know, so yeah. So thank you so much. I'll let you get back to work. Uh, everybody watching, thank you so much for tuning in. This has been Star Citizen Live, uh, Dynamic Events with Tony Zurevic. I'm Jared Huckabee. Uh, tune in on Thursday of next week to check out an ISC all about how we brought those capital ship battles uh, into the Persistent Universe and the work that went into that and uh, what's next for them in the future. And then we'll be right back here with another Star Citizen Live next Friday. So take care, everybody. So real quick, gang, just as a reminder, this was from three years ago from 2021. Uh, this was not a new video from Tony Zervik, but we did want to go back and lay some groundwork for how we got to where we are in relation to dynamic events. And I see you guys are saying global events. And yeah, I guess you could say global too, even though definition for global is worldwide, but I guess we could say universe-wide if we want to use that too. Um, but I do think that they are trying to, I think dynamic is important to understand in the sense of how these events happen, what launches them, what makes them start. Um, so let's do real quick, something real quick here. Um, you, if you, let me, first of all, let me see if you guys got any initial reaction to what you saw. I'm going to go back to Meg first on this. And then after that, we're going to break down the events that we currently have. So Meg, was there anything in particular that out of everything we saw here that stuck with you? You're muted.
I'm so sorry. His explanation of how there are multiple ways things could get done was mm-hmm. fantastic. They didn't yeah. even think about that. And then them even considering PvP and trying to safeguard people who are events that are supposed to be PvE. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, I just thought that those those things were interesting, but I don't I don't have anything yeah, else. Yeah, that, that idea of inclusion of making sure that mm-hmm. even at a, an event that might be very combat heavy that there are roles that people, you know, who may not be great at a turret, you know what I mean, or great as an ace pilot. But, I mean, it's just as crucial to have that person that's helping you haul cargo out, like you were talking about the uh, the different types of cargo that have to be handled a certain way. Um, there are some people who are cool with that, you know what I mean? They, they'll, they'll ride in the transport. They don't necessarily have to be the person that flies right. in, in their Antares or something, right? Uh, the yeah. fact that they do want to make events that if people want to participate, they can find an area that they feel comfortable in. And maybe they'll graduate to being a great fighter later on. But the fact that they can kind of step into an event and not feel like they're left out. It may not happen in every event, but the fact that they're aware of it, I agree with you, I think is is a good thing. Cap, what yeah. about you? Anything? Yeah, I think his emphasis on consequences via systems mm-hmm. was refreshing reminder that, you know, what we're focused on here is... Um, the weight of choice, mm-hmm. right? And that making choices and having consequences is gameplay. Yeah. And um, to build out a system um, uh, that makes sure that, you know, whatever you choose, um, there will be ramifications. Mm-hmm. Just a reminder that systemically that's being built in is, for, for me, remains very important. So I'm glad he said it. Yeah. And, and, to, and to be able to keep players playing, you know, keep it within the context of gameplay, right? Not that, right. like he said, it has to get to a level where it's at the administrative level. I mean, obviously, if there's something really egregious, we understand that. But that shouldn't be the automatic response to things that happen in the game. He's saying, let's develop a game that within the game world creates its own consequences and makes the player think twice. Like buying that double dog, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, do I need to buy my can't double eat, dogs? Can't eat so many. Two weeks. Yeah. Do I need to buy my double dogs two weeks before Invictus? And do I just wait and splurge the money? But no, I mean, I, I, again, it is great to think about it. Oh, let's check out Royce Darby with that, that meme. I love it. Okay. In the chat. Okay. Um, yeah. I, I, oh, and it goes all the way back. And if you know Tony Zervik's history, it goes all the way back to the work he did, like in Ultima, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Where, you know, he worked on the MPC logic and stuff in Ultima 7, the Black Gate. The Black Gate. Um, oh, yeah. Wow. And you really went back. You know, NPC, well, NPCs had to react. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And if you behaved badly, they would, um, you know, party members might leave the group. Um, mm-hmm. they might attack you. It was it, that, that it, he's been thinking about consequence yeah. on, on the system side for a long time. Absolutely. Okay. Well, let's take a quick look at some videos, gang. Um, you know, we're going to show you guys just some trailers that CIG has put together, introducing each one of these. We, I am going to throw one in here that, you know, we may not look at as a dynamic event, but it is an event that CIG just launched and it's the very first one we got. Uh, that actually started out as something that the players introduced, and that's Jumptown. Uh, but we've also seen Jumptown evolve, and we know that there are those times where uh, Jumptown comes into the game. At first, it used to always be at one, loca- one location at Yela, and since then, it has now grown, it's expanded, it's at different locations. So let's take a quick look at that, and then we'll come back with some commentary on it. 
What does it seem like it was that long ago? 316. Mm. Jeez, oh, mm. Pete. Um, <laughs> I'm going to keep picking on Meg tonight. I'm going to let her go first. Meg, uh, some thoughts on Jump Town 2.0, especially because uh, you weren't around when the original Jump Town came out, were you? Not when it came out, but when it was available, yeah. Okay. I was here for like the the, the other the iterations of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. How do you feel about it now? Good and bad. What's your good and bad about Jump Town? Um, I don't really think there's anything bad. I think if you're uneducated, then it's going to be a bad time. But otherwise, you pretty much know it's never safe. Don't trust anybody. If you're going to go alone, mm. GGs, like you can get in there and you can you can wreck shop, but there's no telling if your ship's going to be outside when you leave. Mm. Um, so you just have to like consider what like what your goal is in going there which i think is fun because mm-hmm. you really can't just roll up and ruin everyone's day mm-hmm. and not need an exit strategy mm-hmm. like you you go there to die you're ready to die um <laughs> i personally only ever like to go with like a huge crew mm-hmm. and just take it over mm-hmm. um and only fight the people that are trying to kill us um mm-hmm. and just let people uh get their maze but okay. yeah I, I think it's a great event let me ask you before I go to Cap, what's your ship of choice to take to uh, take to Jump Town when you're uh, ready to haul stuff is. out? Oh, so, oh, you go in fighting. Oh, you go in fighting. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. All right, I got you. Cap, what about you? Pros and cons on Jump Town. So, yeah, Jump Town, Jump Town is, is a reigniting of the drug war, Okay. right? So it's supposed to be a problem over there, right? <laughs> so one of the things I like about that is that very often it is a problem, right? And so... Mm-hmm. People will get on the server and go, oh, Jump Town's hot. It's supposed to be hot. Yeah. These are illegal drugs, <laughs> right? Um, I do like, to Meg's point, when um, sometimes you'll see, again, choice and consequence, right? You'll mm-hmm. see some folks come in, um, and sometimes it happens when an org takes uh, uh, control, mm-hmm. uh, air and ground, and sometimes it just happens organically. You'll go over there, and there's a conga line mm-hmm. uh, at the... Uh, at the at the dispensary right right and you look around and you go i don't i didn't see anybody controlling the space when i came in this is just people have decided mm-hmm. we're gonna just you i i you know against game theory against the prisoner's dilemma mm-hmm. against all of that sentiment they just decided that they were gonna tr- decide to trust the person that was in front of them right yeah um now when death of a spaceman becomes more consequential mm-hmm. we'll see yeah. Right. Um, but that, I, I like that that sometimes you go over there and it's just everybody's rocking and rolling. And sometimes you go over there and it's like that. And it's reflective of individual players and groups of players making different choices. Yeah. I've had both. I've, I've shown yeah. up and there's the conga line and everybody's just got, you know, they've got like one hand on their pistol and the other hand is moving right. stuff. You know, it's like as long as nobody acts a fool, we can all make money right now, yeah. right? And then there's the time when the Congo line's coming and somebody just decides to throw a grenade in and start some chaos, right? I mean, it's happened in so many different ways. Um, it is it is fun in the sense of the unpredictability of what the outcome could be. Because to your point, um, Meg, you just never know when you go over there what the deal's gonna be. Now, here's my negatives about it. And I'm and and this is like a not really a, a bad because they've, they've done this. But as I mentioned earlier, it used to always be at the same location all the time. So you knew where to go. But the fact that now they've made it where it pops up at different locations, I want them to expand that even more. I, I, mm-hmm. I, I, it, it shouldn't be a matter of it's at one of these three places. It should be now it pops up wherever the frick it pops up at because then it's going to change the dynamics. And the reason why I'm saying that is because 
if you're somebody who happens to base yourself out of a certain planet, let's say that planet happens to be Crusader. Well, if it always happens over at Yellow or Daymar, then you know, you're always in proximity. Uh, I want it to pop up everywhere, just different places, uh, some weird remote place that pops up that literally is, because you know, got some places that look abandoned, they look kind of beat up, let it pop up there, you know? Uh, you know, I just love the fact that the unpredictability of it, and I want them to continue to expand, and I'm sure they will, you know what I mean? We had to start out baby steps, first at one place, then three places, but I want them to continue right. to expand that, you know? Right, okay. I agree. All right, let's take a look at the next one here. Let's go from Jumptown to, uh, we talked about this a little bit, Xeno Threat. Attention, people of Stanton. A great injustice has been done to you. For decades, the spineless bureaucrats of your government have been selling you and your fellow citizens piece by piece to the alien scum outside our borders and to their corporate masters within. They agreed only matched by the absolute disregard for the values that made humanity great in the first place. My brothers and sisters have watched them feed on the dying carcass of the Empire for long enough. With the passage of the human Xi'an trade initiative, it's clear that the government is happy to sell the final parts of humanity into servitude. The time has come to send a message. That we will not consume their lies anymore. That we are the ones in charge. Stanton will be the first step in a revolution to take back the soul of the Empire. You will be witnesses. We are Xenothreat. Out. <laughs> Xenothreat. We are Xenothreat. Um, I'll go to you, Cap, this time on this one. Um... Feedback on Xenothreat, good, bad? What are your thoughts on it? I mean, listen, I like the fact that it, it I, I like it. I, this is my favorite event. I like that it, it, it's, it seemed to have sprung from the conversation where everybody ain't gonna like hanging out with other aliens. Mm -hmm. Everybody ain't gonna like that. Mm -hmm. There's gonna be people who don't like that. There's gonna be people who don't like that in a very visceral way. Mm -hmm. What would that look like, right? And, and then an event emerges that allows you to, to challenge that. Um, you know, I I know that there's a, we, we saw a small, I can't remember if it's small to meaningful, but we saw a presence of Xenothreat also in Pyro, mm -hmm. right? And so, um, you know, the idea that they're moving back and forth between Stanton and Pyro to, to, to execute operations makes sense to me. Um, and I like taking these fools out every chance I get, right? <laughs> Uh, because I believe in beloved community, even across alien lines. <laughs> You're gonna get lefty worked right? up. Lefties in the chat. You're gonna get them all fired. Him and Togi, they're gonna be both all fired up now. But listen, Togi, Lefty, and I can go all shoot Van Duel to the day is long, right? Because they proved that they need that. But uh, you know, the Gian, uh, you know, listen, come on, let's 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 lean in. Okay. So, um. I mean, they need to tell us who the Kurthak are, but other than that, let's lean in. And uh, <laughs> so I enjoy Xenothread a lot. Um, uh, again, we talked about it earlier, but the stages of the event, there's lots of different things to do across the event. Tony Z talked about how people who maybe they don't want to do, do, do the pew pew, do they have something to do yeah. in the event? Um, and they that they thought about it. And so I think that Xenothread reflects um, good, next it next iteration thinking from cig uh and it's an enjoyable event when, when it runs when it's not when the server isn't buggy it's a it's a good event I am very happy to Mid, be how here. about you 
Um, yeah, I share pretty much the same opinion on it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I definitely think it's. I would say it's a fact that it's the best event, just because of how in like how many steps there are mm-hmm. and how detailed it is. Like I was explaining um, at the beginning, mm-hmm. um, y- you can't just brain dead walk in there. People will, and they'll cause the mission to fail or mm. close to failing. Um, if you're not reading the instructions or know what cargo box you're picking up and putting into a ship, if you're just like, oh, we need to get all of these out. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, you're you're sure we only have the ones that can quant them, right? Mm-hmm. And then they blow up and all that cargo is lost, <laughs> um, which is something we don't have with Siege um, or Jumptown. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think, again, like my only downside is that, and there's, there's PvP, which mm-hmm. is great mm-hmm. um, for those people, but um, which is normally like manageable for people who just enjoy PvE. Right. Um, but yeah, the only downside is how little it worked last time. Mm-hmm. Um, which I, I, I don't, how often do they bring Xenothreat back? I, just, I haven't seen it since that it's been last a little time. bit now. Yeah. I don't yeah, but know. It, yeah. yeah, that was, that was really bad. But, um, like that's, that bad was just really sad because mm-hmm. it is my favorite event. I know it's a lot of people's favorite event. So yeah. hopefully that that comes back and it's it's good and working but yeah. yeah you know one of the things i want to say about these events too gang is as a reminder to all of us including myself that you know stanton is our testing ground still and and sometimes the game feels so good and feels so great that we you know we subconsciously look at it as oh this is it or this is done but what we play and what we do right now is for a much bigger picture than what we're seeing now so xenothread is not about stanton uh, you know, this is going to be something that is about a, a group that uh, definitely is out against this whole dynamic of the UEE and that they can pop up anywhere later on. It's, it's not just uh, them coming into what we have, this little system that we have right now. Um, so, you know, keep that in mind that it's not restricted to, you know, Stanton or the things that we're doing right now. But these events are, you heard Tony say earlier, they've got like eight to ten other you know, dynamic events they want to introduce, but this is a part of lore and hopefully we'll see it grow and expand just like how we saw Jumptown do that. I'm hoping that the same thing happens with Xenothreat. And then last but not least, we're going to talk about one other dynamic event, which is Siege. Hey, happy birthday. Oh my God. We're under attack. Security and overrun. Here's the situation. Ninetales attacks these commercial platforms. Gather any gear you need and help us take them back. This last patch um, in 322, uh, there was a lot of testing going on in the PTU and the test preview channel and everything on Siege. Um, I will say this for me, when we went into Siege, um, the first time we had a little bit of difficulty. The second time we went though, we got all the way through the entire mission. And the thing, we saw definite improvements in the AI. 
Uh, we didn't have what we had previously. I think, Cap, you remember we had people that were stuck in the floor, in the wall, spawn closets, yep. all types of stuff. This last time we did it, everything worked well. The, uh, it did not bug out on us till the very end. We completed the mission. We were headed back in the shuttle, and then our shuttle froze in space between going back to uh, Cloudview, and we had to, we tried to, we had to log out basically. Um, but they, but it did run well. It was, it was a challenge. We were in there for like three hours. It was, it was amazing. We had a great time. That is the only time that I've done it and everything went well. Since then, we've had issues pop up and I can talk about my issues. One of them in particular that's happened to us twice, uh, is we would, we would go in there and we had a red flag last time when we were on our way over in the tram. We never did hear from Bendo Ren. We never, I, at least I didn't, some other people did. And we were in the game about maybe 15, 20 minutes. We were on Hardmore, the, the second platform. And then all of a sudden, everybody's screen went black and everybody woke up in prison. And that happened to us twice. And what we think happened is that we knew there was a team ahead of us and that they completed the mission. And you know how it gives you that thing of saying you need to leave? Well, none of us see that message. So we still think we should keep pushing forward because it was telling us to continue on to the administrative platform so we think that what happened is we didn't get that message to evacuate and that timer hit and then we all got sent to prison. And that happened to us two times, identically. Everybody's screen goes black, everybody wakes up at Clesher and it's like, wow. So, uh, G um, uh, Meg, I'm gonna go to you first on this one. Uh, Siege Vorison, got some thoughts? Um, yeah, it's, it's definitely my second favorite event. Mm -hmm. um, just because I thoroughly enjoy FPS and it is great to have the teamwork. There is there is PvP that is possible in this event and um, I honestly don't hate it. Mm -hmm. Adds a little bit more to it than just shooting the NPCs. Mm -hmm. I will say doing this um, when the server FPS is high is near impossible, but like still very <laughs> fun. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, just because again, like I I don't I don't I don't enjoy just speed running through things. Yeah. Um, right. And I do that a lot in, in games. In this game, I'd I'd like to not be able to do that. And I feel like, of course, you can't always have the best server FPS. But mm. when there is really good server FPS, it makes for a really great event. Yeah, um, yeah definitely. Um, not even just this time that they've launched up Siege. Many times they've had issues. Um, I think just with the towers in general, they're just really touchy and... Um, I think they they did some changes and they've gotten better, but mm -hmm. um, they've definitely got room to grow. Um, Have the AI but, been challenging for you? Do you feel like they that that this, that 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 has stepped up, or do you feel the AI is still a little on the dumb side for you? No, they're they're really. I think like the dumb side is just when the server FPS is low. Right. So when right. it's like I don't know what the minimum is, but, but when you get a good server, um, they're, they're tough, right? Yeah, mm. it's it's almost impossible. Like mm. you you've got to slow down and know what you're doing. Kind of gives you the Xeno threat vibes. Like you can't just jump in there and fly to admin. Yeah. Um, like yeah. a lot of people were doing before. Um, yeah, we had a couple I, people just, who said that they couldn't. That normally they go over there naked. They said they can't do it naked anymore. Yeah, you know? <laughs> I, I'm one of those people. I'm one of those people. I couldn't even do it fully armored. I had two med guns on my hip. Did nothing. I needed to go immediately go back with my tier one. So yeah, yeah. They, I definitely think okay, okay. My my actual downside, which is probably stupid to even say, just because I understand we need actual hospitals to heal tier ones. But mm -hmm. we used to be able to heal heal those in in the medical beds. Mm -hmm. I think it would be awesome to have 
maybe a hospital where we could transport to maybe mm -hmm. like there is a shuttle that takes us there from mm -hmm. each um what's it called each like towered platform platform, yeah, platform. Mm -hmm. um uh, the ability to take a certain shuttle at each platform to get to a hospital instead of needing to go all the way back and yeah. then come all the way back like yeah. um but that's just part of that's just part of the game like we can't just let me share something easier, like i said but did happen meg Captain, and uh, a Captain, Admiral, I'm getting all my titles mixed up here. Admiral Kusanagi found out something that we didn't know. I don't know if you remember before, you, you couldn't take a ship out of that zone. Eventually the ship would disappear on you. Mm. He flew all the way back to Cloudview. Mm. And so I'm thinking that it would be at least cool, like if you made it to, I was at yeah. Harbor, you know, that if the, you got those injured, that you could throw them into like one of those Pisces and fly back, get it and come right back. That even if you could do that, that would be something. Yeah, when you take the I, shuttle, I agree. It takes forever. Yeah, it only took a I just few minutes. That, that zone is fly. tricky. Yeah, because flying in your own ship, it only takes a few a few minutes to get back and forth. But if you're doing shuttle to shuttle and then having to run through the fire to come back, you're right. It, it is it, it's a pain to do all that. You know, um, okay. yeah, that's a good point. Cap, what about you? Uh, Siege of Horse, and I've I've watched you run through. I've watched you limp through. Um, <laughs> what's been your feelings about going through there? One of one of the good things, um, thanks, Meg, for for extending your thoughts there, allowing me to get some chips in. Um, one of the good things, uh, I don't think that 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 siege for me is as far from Xeno threat as it sounds like it is for for Meg. Like for both of us, Xeno threat's a clear number one. Mm -hmm. I feel like siege could be right there with with Xeno threat with a few changes. Um, I think y'all are a lot more generous to the AI with great server FPS that I am. What I'm seeing with great server FPS are dudes with C-54s shooting like they're snipers, <laughs> right? That's I'm, true. I'm, I'm, no, that's I'm, I'm true. utterly uninterested in that. Yeah, those guys with SMGs are sniping you with SMGs. I agree with right. you. I'm like, get out of here yeah, with yeah, that. Captain right? Jones I'm not interested in, in the bullet sponge uh, um, heavies, <laughs> right? Um, I, but, but I, but what I respect about it is it's clear that CIG is testing different mm -hmm. components within FPS gameplay, mm -hmm. right? Like, so what does it mean to have in each area, a couple of big dogs with heavy armor who can take more, yeah. right? And where do we want ultimately snipers to be positioned, right? And how players, how are players going to have to react to that? Things like that. Um, to Meg's point, I think. Um, placing, and this can come with maybe hacking, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe you place a medical center on the admin center, mm -hmm. right? So that um, if you can hack in, you can go get healed up at the tier one level, like it's a hospital, right? Mm -hmm. So maybe it requires, and make it gameplay driven, like you got to hack in, right. you've got, or you've got to take the space or, you know, to operate the tier one equipment requires some skill set. Mm -hmm. Right, it, it make it make it gameplay, but I like the idea um, of having some way to heal up while you're on those platforms. The last thing I'll say is I don't know. I know people have seen this, and I think it might have been um, trying to see who in the chat may have referenced this. It might have been Grim Reaper OG One who referenced this earlier. Um, Siege as an event has now led to missions where you take a single platform or a single building. Um, in Orison, right? Where you'll mm -hmm. just get a mission now on the mercenary or bounty hunter side where you go and just take a singular building. And I think the learning that we're getting from Siege is informing these other missions. 
Uh, and that's what alpha should be. Uh, but for me, uh, Siege has the ability to, Siege is like 1A, and Xenothread is here. Xenothread is clearly the better mission for me. But Siege isn't that far away if they just tweak some of these things. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed um, with uh, the Soul team and others playing uh, and testing out Siege recently. Um, and I like the responsiveness of CIG to try and solve for some of these people who were doing these speed runs. Mm -hmm. uh, and to not only like subvert that, but to Meg's point, make not doing that fun. Mm -hmm. Right, make staying around and engaging in what's happening on the platform and methodically moving make that fun, right? So, yeah, okay. cool. All right, we're gonna take on another topic here, gang, and this topic is gonna be a little bit more. Um, well, let me let me show it to you first. And this it's Invictus. We want to talk about Invictus for a second. In a galaxy so vast, can one person make an impact? How do we rise above? Through camaraderie and competition, we coalesce. In our darkest hours, when all seems hopelessly lost. And in our proudest moments, we find in each other strength, hope, solidarity, the courage to leave the familiar behind in pursuit of the next great adventure. One person can make an impact. But together, we are capable of greatness. Each of us, part of something bigger. One galaxy. One empire. United in purpose. Okay, now the reason why I showed this is because this is not a dynamic event. It is an annual event that we're all familiar with that takes place in the Star Citizen universe. But what I'm curious about is what do you guys think about, because Tony kind of alluded to this a little bit, and it's the idea of something dynamic taking place at the event. He originally talked about the prices of food and things of that nature going up, uh, increasing the amount of NPCs and population to come there because this big flight week thing is going on but my question to you is and i started wondering whether we saw hints of this i think jade and i had talked about this before right when uh, invictus fleet week came up and it was the fact that some of you all remember that there was vandalism at the iae i mean not the iae at um at the invictus or was it no it was iae that there was there was vandalism at right right okay right. and we had talked about this idea of something taking place at these annual events like Invictus, like IAE, where, for example, Ninetales decides to actually, quote unquote, crash the party. You know, they, they literally do something and players, if you happen to be on at that time, it's, it's entirely up to just a random thing, but you might happen to be there and they decide to do a raid on the convention center. 
uh, literally coming in and starting to kill people. I, I know this is an extreme piece, but I'm, I'm just trying to throw out some stuff here. Uh, there were a couple ideas I had, one called Invasion, uh, which is basically where they come into and start attacking ships that are maybe trying to fly in for the event. Another idea was protect the fleet. Uh, at, um, at, uh, the, at Invictus Fleet Week, you guys know how the fleet moves around from one location to another. What happens if a call went out saying, hey, we're being attacked, you know, and they have to make it safely in to dock their ships? Um, the other one would be the one I mentioned earlier, free the hostages. Maybe that they take some NPC hostages somewhere and you have to go in and take them out. I, mean, I would love to see some type of dynamic things that kick off there that now give you a reason not just to come and click the rent free button on a ship. You know what I mean? But it, it, there's some engagement and some immersion that takes place at those events. That's just one example I want to give, but I also want to give um, both Captain and uh, Meg an opportunity to talk about maybe some things that they would like to see that happen dynamically in the universe, uh, you know, whether it's because something happened or some type of event that you guys think would be kind of interesting to keep players engaged. So, Cap, uh, I'll go to you first on this one. Uh, any type of dynamic thing. Who is that who came in? Righty Bird, thank you for that follow. Smokey, thank you also for the follow earlier. Father Sweepus, thank you for the follow. Telstar, thank you for that follow as well. <laughs> Appreciate all of you. Sorry we missed you earlier, but thank no, you. No, thank all of you. Yes, absolutely. Um, so, you know, you talked IAE a little bit. We talked Invictus. Um, you know, what's interesting lore-wise about IAE is that the IAEs that we get are satellite events. Mm -hmm. There is a big permanent IAE event, um, and it's in um, Kiel, the Kiel system. Mm -hmm. um, and so every year there's the big event and then there's the satellite event we go to. I'd love to see a dynamic event that somehow tied those two things together when we get Kiel in, in, mm -hmm. in game. Um, yeah. The other thing, the other things that I thought about when you asked this question as, as we were preparing for this question were, um, you know, I'd like to see, um, and, you know, the test bed is Stanton. It's a corporate mm -hmm. mid-security mid, mid security system. Mm -hmm. So um, you, you instead of having governments, right, and planets, you've got corporations. But I, maybe a potential corporate civil war. Okay. Right? Where for some reason, uh, Colossa won't like this, but but Hurston um, uh, ends up with a beef with with Microtech, uh -huh. and we have to participate, mm. right? So whether that is participating in the battle, participating in the Marshall Plan rebuilding mm -hmm. of certain derelict settlements afterwards, mm -hmm. or preventing rebuilding, mm -hmm. um, seeing uh corporations take systems from one another mm. um population exodus mm -hmm. um doing the blockade better than the nine tails blockade but mm -hmm. quarantines and lockdowns rescue and refugee support mm -hmm. um i think all of those um not only are interesting dynamic events but also uh can be triggered systematically uh, in in terms of the uh, the quantum notes that that Tony Z has talked about, right? Okay. So um, th that's the type of thing I'd like to see. Mm -hmm. uh, I can talk more, but I want to give Meg a chance. Yeah, and, and I, I appreciate the fact you said that this is in the context of the testing ground of Stanton. We're not saying that this all happens in Stanton, but that is our playground to figure out 
how this can go into a bigger place in the universe. So that, that's very cool. Right. Meg, what you got? Anything that you would like to see happen, kick off unexpectedly in the verse? Um, with the introdu- introduction of distribution centers, mm-hmm. um, I think it'd be cool to see something like, I think Tony was talking about it, or maybe one of you guys were talking about it. Um, a dynamic event that triggers other dynamic events. Mm-hmm. Um, so the distribution centers, maybe you have to go in there, rate it, mm-hmm. um, get data to transfer or like to unlock um, the locations for other places mm-hmm. um, where you have to go and get either cargo or um, hostages. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know, just something like that. Um, there was a video. Where you have make- to go to different planets. Uh, maybe different like moons, not just like staying in one place, but um, it just like continues going and going and going. And then like maybe even potentially um, something like the 890 jump mission, but um, needing to take over, not not destroying an entire ship, but mm-hmm. taking it back over. Mm-hmm. Um, so having to take out the fleet, uh, take control of a ship and then get it back and make sure mm-hmm. the, the people that are coming back in to try to take it back over. Mm-hmm. Um you can protect the ship and get it to where it needs to go. Something like that. There was a video, Meg, I don't know if you saw it. It was the, what's the, what's the guy's name who's the mission giver, the very first mission giver guy we got. Um, he used to sit in the bar. He Miles Eckhart. Miles Eckhart. I don't know if yeah. you remember this, Meg, but the very first time we saw this guy, he gave a mission. We went and completed the mission. We were, it was on a star fair to get like this, the, the, the black box or get the information. Then when he completed it, the, Miles gave them an additional mission after that. So it wasn't just that one thing. And I'm thinking about what you're saying about the UGFs, that maybe once you've done something. And I think CIG did talk about this idea of missions that were built on several things and you could take it as far as you wanted to. So if you just complete the first phase, you decide to say, hey, that's all I'm going to do. That's cool. But there may be a, oh, and you could, if you also do this, you know what I mean? And you could push it as far as you wanted to go. And of course, the difficulties would increase as, as you go on. Um, but I like the idea of what you're saying about something, a missions, these dynamic missions triggering other ones within them, which I think would be, uh, really, really cool. Um, the UGFs are something I think a lot of us are excited about, you know, seeing what's going to happen with those. Cause you know, there's the dynamic of, um, the administrative side, like there could be something like a hostage or VIP mission, right. That happens there, right. The president of the UGF, something happens there. Or there's something that happens underground, you know, in relation to moving cargo, like we've seen in their trailers and stuff. I think the UGFs are a great place to see any type like that kick off. Now, I don't know, do you guys, Mick, I know you do PVP a lot. Have you done that? Have you ever like responded to when those things happen? Because there is a dynamic thing that happens in the game now. Someone goes to Korea to clear their thing. Do you ever respond to those? Like when you say somebody has shut, you know, is that Korea trying to clear their stat? Do you ever respond to those? I do, yeah. You do, okay, okay. Cause I know there are some folks that'll show up, you know, I've been there yep. before and they, they show up and it's like, uh Oh, you know, uh, so there are people who are really into the whole bounty thing, you know, in the game. And I love when that happens. Cause I'm, it's one thing to know once you're going to go in there and fight the NPCs. It's another thing when you're sitting there watching your bar tick and somebody says there's a ship inbound, you know, coming yep. in and you, and you and hear the, a ship coming in or the turrets going off. Yeah. You know? The clock starts. Oh, and it happened to us the other night at ghost hollow as well. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, it did. Once, once, once you clicked on, and I clicked on those mm-hmm. those terminals and started uh, generating that money, <laughs> then all of a sudden, Cutlass Blacks came out of nowhere. They didn't know they were going to have to deal with Colossal, <laughs> right? Dro- <laughs> dropping them bees on them, but... <laughs> he um, sure did, yep. Yeah, and, and we- so 
you know, we had we we had to think about air power. We had to mm-hmm. think about what happens. How long do we have? Yep, right. And evac. Uh, and we then think we about got evac. out of there just in time. So yeah, <laughs> yeah we think about evac too. We're like, let's go, man. We got time right. to get out of here. You know. That's yeah. Right. So yeah, those are, but those are, like you said, those are the seedlings, the test, the beginning of what's going to happen later on. You know, a lot of times, you know, again, we just, we, well, why we wanted to talk about dynamic events today, because it's very easy to think that, oh, this is all there is to it. But the reality is, no, this isn't all there is to it. This is the testing ground and the foundation for some bigger and better things that CIG wants to do later on. So, okay. For me, for me, it's important, it's important that they think about the curation of human, of moments that humanize the events. Mm-hmm. Right, that give us personal moments. Like some stuff is just emerging gameplay. Yes. Like the fact that we got out of there and paid each other when we got back up to Tressler was just emerging game. That was just fun, right? Mm-hmm. But there will be uh, events where um, I want a little bit more than Rowena Dooley saying "good job." Yeah. Right. Like I want somebody to go, um, you know, person to person communications in the game, and I see a face, and they go, "Hey, I was there with my kid on, on the Stanton platform." And you saved our lives. Thank you. Right. Mm. Like I, I want a little bit more impact of our actions. And maybe it's across the game media or the news channels, right? Some of these screens that we see. Yeah. Um, and I think it's going to be important that Quanta ends up with a real diversity of outcomes, right? Mm-hmm. Not three outcomes like Mass Effect at the end, right? <laughs> I want 333 potential outcomes and I want real probability randomization. It ought to be the case a lot of the time that well-laid plans that players think are the meta just don't produce the outcome they want, right? Because mm. it just didn't work that time, Yeah. right? That's life. That's that's real, right? I Like you get a certain, le- you get to a certain point and then you can't go any further. And it just did, it didn't, the, the, the quantum stuff didn't add, add up. So I'm hoping all of that is getting built in as well. Yeah. Okay, very cool. All right. Well, yes, we have been reading you guys' comments in chat. You guys have shared a whole lot, a lot of good stuff in here. Uh, real quick, we've got a couple questions. Um, one of them, oh, actually, there are a couple crazy questions here, both from Fast Card. So I, I, I'll go ahead and acknowledge them because they're both from Fast Card. Yeah. How could, why? Why? How could I've not known? Right. Uh, one of them was, uh, what did you? What does the panel think that Jarrett was thinking, thinking while listening to Tony? You know. For me, it was SCL, right? And so, you know, one thing I could tell from Jared's expressions from time to time, he was reading comments, obviously, from people who are watching the show, you know? Uh, and every once in a while, you see him write something down. So I'm sure he was writing things down because as you guys know, put a quarter in Tony Z's back and you just let him go. You don't have to say very much. And that's kind of what happened. But what did you guys think what uh, Jared might've been thinking? Don't leak anything. Maybe. <laughs> Don't leak anything. Like, yeah, he just, yeah. I, I just, I just did two uh, ISCs with a bunch of interviews on this, and uh-huh. you spoiled, you spoiled it. <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. Uh, and the last one that uh, Fastcart asks is, is Jumptown safe? And uh, the answer is never. Yeah, <laughs> but Meg answered that earlier. It's always a hotbed, no matter what. So, well, thank you, Fastcart, for those. Uh, we appreciate that. Um, as we mentioned earlier, gang, uh, this is, uh, in, in the U S this is black history month, even though black history runs throughout the year, it's a, it's a period of time that, uh, our country recognizes the contributions of African-Americans. And so, uh, we want to highlight that as well. Each year we do that during the month of February. And as I mentioned earlier at the beginning of the show, we dedicated this show, uh, to the actor Carl Weathers who passed away just a few days ago. And so we want to take a moment and just reflect on his life and maybe learn some things about him that maybe you didn't know. We hope that you will uh, enjoy this little bit that we're going to show real quick. So check it out. 
There's nothing they'd like better than to see Apollo Creed give a local Philadelphia boy a shot at the greatest title in the world on this country's biggest birthday. Carl Weathers has died. The veteran actor's family confirmed the news to E.T. on Friday. Carl, known to many as Apollo Creed, was 76 years old. They just don't want to pay guild rates. They don't mind if things get sloppy. Carl's family says he died peacefully in his sleep on Thursday, remembering their loved one as an exceptional human being who lived an extraordinary life. It's been a tremendous relationship, you know, for, uh, for 10 years, you know, to be with people. And I'm real happy to have been a part of it. After playing Rocky Balboa's foe-turned-friend across the iconic franchise... It comes with the job. I can accept it. His memorable on-screen presence and impressive physique paid off again. This time with Arnold Schwarzenegger in Predator. With the two buff stars, years later, inspiring countless memes. <laughs> yeah, it's all off of me! Of course, that serious demeanor also inspiring serious laughs in Happy Gilmore. Adam Sandler paying tribute on Instagram. Carl will always be known as a true legend. In recent years, Carl turned his focus behind the camera, pulling double duty as director and one of the stars of The Mandalorian. I thought you had completed your mission, but you're still running around here with the same little critter. John Favreau, Dave Filoni, man, they just keep throwing it down, you know, and all of us in front of the camera and, and those of us who are, have the good fortune of working behind the camera and directing are just doing our best just to keep up and to, you know, honor what these guys are putting down. And certainly John is just doing a magnificent job, magnificent job. So I'm a very fortunate guy to be a part of it. It never ends. That makes two of us. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, so that's uh, the piece that we're doing tonight. Uh, once again, our condolences to Carl Weathers' family. Um, definitely appreciate all of the uh, dedicated hard work that he has done and contributed uh, to make our lives better in, a, in an entertaining way. So, uh, Maggie, anything you want to say about Carl Weathers? I do not. Nope. Okay. No problem. Yeah. Any thoughts? You're muted, my friend. Yeah. Sorry about that. Rest in power. I uh, grew up with this dude. Um, he represented uh, a lot of things uh, to me. Um, you know, I always wanted him to beat Rocky. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, when he tied him and then lost to him and then, you know, humbled himself, uh, uh, to bring him back. And then we lost him in Rocky four. It was nice that they went in the direction with Creed on the basis of that legacy. I mm -hmm. loved him in Predator. And most recently I loved him in, in the Mandalorian. Okay. You know, um, somebody early on in the chat said Mando, and now we know when you hear that, that was Carl Weathers. So, yes, yes, um, yes, definitely. Action Jackson, tell the truth. Action, new soul. Jackson. Action Jackson. Oh my God. Action right. Jackson. Oh um, my God. <laughs> just, 
just a solid, solid cat. Uh, my understanding is that he played football before all that too. That's correct. Yeah, uh, I'm That's not. Right. I'm not sure that Entertainment Tonight covered that, mm-hmm. but like you know, just a a broad life lived. You know, um, mm-hmm. yeah. you, know you don't really know folks, but for what we know, mm-hmm. uh, just a celebrated celebrated individual, and uh, he will be missed. Absolutely. All righty. Well, listen. Let's go ahead and wrap this up. We've had you guys here tonight. Thank you guys for being here. Uh, real quick, uh, Meg, would you talk about Thursday? Cap, would you talk about Saturday? And I'll talk about next Sunday. Yes. Yeah, so on Thursday at 9 p.m. Eastern time, there will be Soul Talk, which is a roundtable discussion where everybody is welcome to join in the Discord. Um, we talk about Star Citizen, what has happened over uh, throughout the week, and uh, normally cover Inside Star Citizen and Star Citizen Live. Mm-hmm. Then on Saturdays is Soul Voices. Uh, Saturdays starting usually at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. And that's where you get to join the live one-on-one conversation in Discord with Griff, uh, where we're talking about a lot of the uh, social media discourse of the week, be it on Reddit or Twitter or other places. Um, And Soul Voices, of course, is part of PodSat or Podcast Saturday. So you come check us out at 3, then you head on over to Paul Shelley and... Uh, the Astro Pub, and then the OGs of Star Citizen Relay in the evening. By the way, I just remembered something. I'm having a procedure done on my throat on Friday. <laughs> so I would tell you to be sure to check and see if something posts. If I say that, you know, the show's not, ca- if it's canceled, then you'll know why I'm not there. But it just dawned on me. I forgot that I don't know what my throat status is going to be on Saturday. So just if you don't see us, then you know why I'm not there, gang. But hopefully I'll be able to uh, to talk since I'm doing it on Friday. Hopefully on Saturday my voice will be back to normal. And uh, well, Good luck with that, Griff. Yeah, good I'm, luck with that. I'm yeah. hoping all goes well. Um, and then next Sunday, uh, we're doing a show called Light and Dark. Um, and this show is going to be a little interesting. It's going to be... I don't want to say white nights and dark nights. That's not the word I want to say. But we do want to talk about why people feel so extreme one way or the other when it comes to star citizen and squadron 42 so you're going to get some interesting opinions about why people feel very positive and why people may feel very negative about uh this project that we're all here backing and supporting so that'll be next sunday 8 p.m eastern time i know the super bowl is going on so for those of you who want to enjoy the bowl hey enjoy yourself but as always we have some folks that usually are like ah I'll watch Soul Citizens instead. So <laughs> if you guys want to join us next Sunday, we will be here. Um, other than that, I think that's about it. I want to give a special thanks to both of uh, my compadres here. Uh, Meg, let people know where they can find you. You can find me on Twitch at YoYo Meg. Uh, I normally stream at 4 p.m. Central Time, Monday through Friday. Um, or you can find me on Twitter at I am YoYo Meg. Otherwise, you can find me here on Soul Citizens. And Cap, how about you? That's, you know, I agree with Yo-Yo Meg. You can find me here uh, at Soul Citizens. You can find me in Yo-Yo Meg's chat on Twitch, making it pop. You can also find me on my own Twitch channel. Uh, I just put it in the chat, Captain Serious Fun. You can also find me with my long-form uh, YouTube videos. We dropped our first one on YouTube. Um, and... The uh, that video is called Moonshot, and you can find you can uh, join the discussion there. Our second video will come off of Patreon on Saturday, 
and be available to everyone there as well. So please like, subscribe, and join, but only after you have done so for all the outlets of Soul Citizens, right? <laughs> because Soul Citizens is why I'm here. So, Well, thank you guys so much for being here. We really appreciate you, all the Raiders who came over, the new followers who followed us, subscribers. Thank you guys so much always for the wonderful support that you've given us. Uh, we are going to set you guys up for a raid to a new person that we've never raided before. I play with lights is playing in star citizen right now. Got a very low count. Only had two viewers over there. So send some love to him. Check him out for a few minutes. If you like what you see, give him a follow. Let him know that you came over from the soul citizens. And as always, we really, really, really appreciate you guys. Um, till then stay safe, stay healthy, take care of yourselves. And as always from all of us at soul citizens, peace, love and soul. We'll see you guys later. Take care. Peace out. Bye. Peace.